Hello, everybody. This is Ben Hansen jumping in before the show starts to let you know that the folks behind Another Eden, the free RPG that we talked about a while ago on the podcast, they are back with a new update, and it is a very exciting one because Another Eden, if you recall, was directed and written by Masato Kato, who wrote Chrono Trigger, worked on Xenogears, worked on Final Fantasy VII, and also wrote and directed one of my favorite games of all time, Chrono Cross. And the very exciting thing is that their game, Another Eden, now has an official event, and it's Another Eden Cross Chrono Cross, which is a fun thing to say. So the event is called Complex Dream, and it actually features characters from Chrono Cross. So if you jump in and play this game for free, you can access this Chrono Cross content. It's not gated behind any free-to-play nonsense. It's so great that a legendary designer like Masatokado can revisit some of his best characters and greatest work and bring Chrono Cross to a new generation of people. So if you're a fan of JRPGs like me, you can go check it out if you're interested. I think it's a really fun idea. The game's called Another Eden. Okay, let's start the show. everybody and welcome to a new episode of the MinMax Show podcast, a place about games, friends, getting better. Let me turn in the podcast intro. Hello everybody, I'm Ben Hansen. Thank you for being here. I'm joined by Leo Vader, King of Gaming. Thank you. Thank you. Also joined by Sarah Pazorski, the Queen of Gaming. Hello. I would also like to be the king. Okay, we'll see what we can do. Also okay. joined by Brian Vore. Welcome, Brian. Hey everybody, how's it going? Oh, thanks for being here, Brian. Brian, former Game Informer editor, uh, former 2K champion, uh, has done a lot of great work uh, with MinMax on the social media front lately. Um, let's see, your friend Ross is kind of the Star Wars guy. Uh, what guy are you again, Brian? How would you encompass your guidum? Star Wars, Marvel. Okay. All yeah. that stuff. All uh, the good stuff. Luckily for you, I'm f- quite familiar with the new High Republic Star Wars stuff, so oh, that'll come into play later. Thank God, because I was cruising the Star Wars subreddit just to try and get some glimpses of like, okay, what should I know about the Star Wars Eclipse game? But we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about a whole lot more on this episode of the MinMax Show podcast. If you're watching us record this live on YouTube, thank you for being here. Quite an honor. Uh, you can always subscribe to the podcast version of this. Uh, it's free on your favorite podcast app. The MinMax Show podcast is the thing you're watching right now. And if you're listening to this, you can always subscribe to our YouTube channel if you want to watch a video version and see all of our pretty faces, which go something like this. Sweet. All right. Thanks for being here, everybody. Uh, we have a lot to get through on today's episode of the show. We're talking about the Game Awards, talking a little bit about Halo Infinite before we really dive into it with The Deepest Dive, which is going to be a separate video. We'll explain that later. Sarah Pazorski, I have learned through the grapevine that you are excited to talk about this Final Fantasy XIV Endwalker phenomenon. Oh, oh, am I ever. Great. Can't wait to dive in. Then we have a bunch of community questions in the back half of the show, so get ready for a whole lot of fun. Uh, Let's kick it off here. Mike Spam left a comment over on Patreon. And I'm curious what you think of this one. Mike Spam says, now this is Mike Spam talking, just to be clear. He says, so the Game Awards was bad, right? Between the length, the pace, uh, Jeff Keighley using an anti-cyberbullying hotline to not talk about Activision, the lack of awards, the mishmash of double A tier at best trailers, I genuinely regret watching in fact, if you all weren't streaming your reaction to it, I don't think I would have. Am I missing something? Did you all enjoy the show? If it wasn't your job, would you watch next year? Absolutely. 
<laughs> Absolutely, I would watch next year. That is certainly the the takeaway, you know, like we did our big reaction stream and always asked for a number at the end for what people thought about it, scale of one to 10. A lot of fives. We were lucky to hit a six. Sarah, you were in the MinMax studio uh, chomping on pizza throughout the entire mm -hmm. thing. The entire, I believe, 14 hour stream is what it felt like. Uh, what did you think about the show overall? Toward the end, I like the commercials and like the world premiere trailers and the awards just started to like mesh together. Yes. And I really didn't know what I was watching. And I gotta say, I woke up today and I kind of have like a little bit of like a gamer hangover. Like if you asked me to like explain the events that happened at the game awards, I don't think I could get past the first hour. Yeah. I blacked it, out at some point. It was, it, there's certain things with the game awards we need to stop being surprised by. There's going to be celebrities. There's going to be a natural confusion about, is this an ad? Is this a trailer? What is going on? You know, I guess that's the way the show can sustain itself moving forward is with packing it full of your favorite Facebook gaming ads uh, littered throughout the entire thing, Leo. I don't know if you've heard of Amazon Luna, but that's a pretty sweet way to game, as I've been told from the Game Awards, so please check it out, man. It's kind of interesting that they took only deals from massive companies. It's like they went for fewer, more lucrative marketing crossovers. Yeah, it is weird how that works out. But overall, like, Brian, you watched it as well, right? Sure did. Uh, I thought the first hour was like, you know, we got a little celebrity, we got a little music. Yeah. You know, mostly concerned with like the big game announcements, which happened a decent amount in the first half. But the second half, there's definitely that moment where everyone's brain just turns off and their eyes roll back in their head, right? It was just like, is this over? Is it just like an ad stream now? Like, yeah, we're it, all waiting for the big finale. Like, I was thinking, like, oh, it'll turn around at some point, but it just never does until the Matrix thing, which we all knew was coming. So there was really no big, big ender, right? Yeah, I wonder if the way that they structure it, you never know, like, if something fell out. And this is, you know, immediately diving into the weeds of, like, how to space out your awards show and stuff like that. But I wonder if they thought that the Elden Ring bit at the end would have a bigger impact. I mean, it's the most anticipated game. It's been voted several years in a row that way. Everyone's going gaga for this thing. The last trailer was like, you did it, Keely, you crazy SOB. You really did it. Like everybody was celebrating so much the last time they got that Elden Ring trailer. And so maybe they thought that that would kind of sustain the energy in the back half of the show. And if you're just going based on internet reactions and memes, it's like, well, putting Keanu Reeves at the end of your show, that's good, right? That's a tent pole. But I, I'm totally with you. We're like, by the end of the show, you kind of felt numb to a lot of things and just kind of the swirl of, of advertisements and trailers that weren't exactly knocking the doors down. But then I went back to it after kind of having a mediocre grand finale there and just looked at the stuff that they announced. And it's like, there's... There's enough here. If I just looked at a headline for like everything that was announced here or a news story, it's like, I think this was a good show overall. It just was a little bit long, but you can't, you can't knock them too much for that. Like I still really enjoyed watching it. Am I just too much of a stupid defender of all these words shows? Cause it's better than, I don't know, watching some Netflix show or something. Sitting alone with your thoughts. Right. Exactly. <laughs> I definitely feel biased because doing a reaction stream is the most fun way to engage with it. Yeah, I, I'm not. I loved the time we spent with it last night, but yeah, I don't really know if I would watch it live. Were yeah. my job. I I started out kind of having like the real stream, and then you know you guys with commentary at the beginning, and I was yeah. like, well, I want to kind of keep it fresh. But if if I wasn't going to be on the podcast, I think I would have just left you guys on and 
just been like had that be part of it because holy cow yeah it's just it's good to have someone else there like suffering with you it's like watching the minnesota vikings like it's way easier to deal with when there's other people just going ah after every bad thing that happens i mean (laughs) i know this is you can't always hold it up to this but like you look like what the game awards used to be and the spike tv awards all that nonsense like this is still so so much better like the fact that towards the end of the show they had imagine dragons perform like the a song from bastion and it was like a super giant medley like that is a cool thing that happened that you wouldn't expect to have like the music of Bastion put front and center with this big band performing it, even if it kind of sounded like crap when he was singing, but still like the ideas are cool there. It's so much better than it could have been. So I, I reject the Vikings analogy, Brian, I reject it outright. Reminds me. Okay. Okay. This reminds me though. Cuphead. Yeah. Was, was that lip synced? (sighs) I think it might've been. I was a little unclear about that as well. So they had like a a bunch of performers come out there and kind of give, like it was a musical performance from the 20s is kind of the vibe they were going for. It kind of seemed that way. Yeah, I, probably. Yeah. But is that I so was bad? like feeling it the whole time. And then I'm like, ah, this feels weird. And then they end on a piano and it's like a xylophone sound. I'm like, are you guys even pre- like pretending to make this seem like a real performance? Look, they had like the old timey mics. And so I think it's tough to get those functioning uh, if they're built in the 20s and stuff. So you do what you got to do. But I mean, okay, all right. That was cool that at least they showed the DLC finally for uh, Cuphead. It's Cuphead, the delicious last course, what they've been quiet about for a while. Sarah, you're smirking already. I thought you said it was a sequel. I thought you said that it comes out so far after the main game that it should just be considered a sequel and not DLC, Ben. Sarah's bitter. You said that. Sarah's you said bitter that. about Outer Wilds, everybody. Just let the record show. But No, I'm just pointing out, you know, some facts are getting twisted a little bit. No, this is DLC. They describe it as okay. DLC. So even you're though... You're walking it back. No, yeah. But the, I'm we, have it on, we have it on tape that you said that it should be called a sequel. I felt like because they've been quiet for so long that they're going to rebuild it as a sequel, but... But like it could not be more clear that this is Cuphead, the delicious last course, and they call the new location DLC Island, which I haven't okay. played um, Outer Wilds DLC, Sarah, but I assume that it's called like DLC Planet or something. And they're also oh, very yeah. clear for what yeah. they're doing there. OK, perfect. But yeah, that, that thing's finally coming out uh, June 30th, 2022. You can play as Miss Chalice, Miss Ch- Chalice, Ch- Ch- Chalice. Uh, you can play with her in the original game and all that nonsense. But let's get to like something that we're excited about. Brian? What do you got, man? Number one exciting thing from the Game Awards. Well, I think that would have to be Star Wars Eclipse. Um, I know it's it's all kind of just like pre-rendered cinematic stuff. Yeah. There's a lot of juicy stuff. As I mentioned at the top, I've read all the High Republic books for the most part. God bless you. There's so many and they just don't stop coming out. Uh but to catch everyone up on the vibe of it, it is set several hundred years ago uh, before the prequels. Right. You notice Yoda was in the trailer. He's an old. He is a a young fella there. Okay. Um, the key enemies are the Nihil, which is like a mask wearing marauder force. They use gas a lot to obscure their attacks. <laughs> uh, it's tough to tell if that those enemies are in this game. There's also a plant monster species called the Drengir that uh, are dangerous to deal with because if you slice them with the lightsaber those plants grow right back those branches come after you that's kind of a fun idea it's like fighting a blob but if it's a plant yeah that's cool yeah so those might make an appearance Uh, we saw a lot of 
prequel type stuff, like the uh, seemingly Naboo and some of the trade uh, federation guys. Yeah, so it seems like uh, the internet's kind of running with this idea that it's going to be the story largely of the trade federation against some new faction, seemingly the weird goopy guys that kind of rose up in a very Dune-like fashion at the end of the trailer or something. Oh, the goop, the goop man and the drum are the goop. It's the goop guy the same as the drum people. They were in the same location. So I think the okay. drums were summoning the goop man. If, uh, oh, okay. if I know my star Wars lore well enough. Yeah. It's very kind of Lord of the Rings, like some kind of warrior rising from the goop, right? Yeah. Yeah. The, yeah. Orcs being you don't have a trademark on Goop. That's right. True, goop true. Take that, Gwyneth Paltrow. Goop, goop is in public domain. <laughs> Apparently. <laughs> so this game is odd. So it's Star Wars Eclipse. It leaked a little while ago, and, and the big thing that has people um, hemming and hawing a little bit is it's Quantic Dream developing this thing. From everybody's favorite Detroit, everybody's favorite Heavy Rain, everybody's favorite, genuinely one of the most fascinating weird games ever made, Beyond Two Souls. So it is a weird choice, but the way they bill this is that it's a new action-adventure, multiple-character branching narrative game set in a new section of the Outer Rim. So it seems like they're going to be kind of doing the classic Quantic Dream thing or the Detroit Become Human thing where you're seeing a Star Wars story and you're jumping between all these different perspectives and characters as they encounter the events, which I'm kind of excited about, just kind of like the Star Wars character medley, even if... The concept of David Cage himself writing Yoda dialogue is not something I know that I ever was craving in my life, but by God, we're going to get it. Yeah, it's uh, I, this just reminds me, like, I guess I should play Detroit. Finally, I played Heavy Rain and Beyond. Uh, yeah. And yeah, they're they're wild and crazy games. And I'm very curious how that format is going to translate to Star Wars, but you know, more of an adventure game type of Star Wars could be okay. I I want to believe that it's going to be all right, but yeah, I'm I'm like the internet. I'm I'm feeling pretty skeptical about Quantic Dream. Yeah, and they said like the leak beforehand was saying that it was more action packed than previous Quantic Dream games. I don't know what that's going to mean. More quick time events or what exactly? But the trailer I do think was really cool, even if it is just here's a bunch of sweet looking Star Wars stuff flying at you. So it's tough to. <laughs> Stuff to poo-poo it or really even get a sense of what is fascinating about it. But it was good-looking Star Wars stuff, by God. I don't know if you guys, if it was because of the, the quality of the stream or not, but some of the shots, I was like, wait, is this film footage from the pre... You know, like, right. some of the space battles, like, looked really, really good, so... Yeah, and I mean, it, it's easy to knock on Quantic Dream for a number of uh, very valid reasons. Uh, at the same time, like, I don't think Detroit, or even beyond got their due just for how good looking they are. Like Detroit is still, I think, one of the best looking games ever made. It is just ridiculous. And so I'm excited to see visually what they can do because it's going to be a while before this thing comes out. So hopefully they'll really have their heads around the you know, new tech and stuff because they say this is very early in development still. So don't expect anything for a while. But Star Wars Eclipse, new Star Wars game to look forward to. Hey, Sarah, number one excitement thing. What do you got? Sonic Breath of the Wild. <sighs> and that was the official name that they went with. They, they spitballed a lot of ideas, and they ended up going with Sonic Breath of the Wild. Uh, Sonic Frontiers is this new game. Do you want to walk us through that trailer, Sarah? What, what we saw, how we felt, we all that good stuff. Sonic run through the grass. Yeah. And that was very nice. We'd already seen that. And then he sort of, like, breaks through the grass into this very, like, fieldy? I don't know what to call it. Breath of the Wild-type area where it's very open 
some hills, some right. ruins. You can see some things in the distance that looks like a tower that you can run up vertically. It's it's like Sonic is encountering the world from Shadow of the Colossus. Mm-hmm. It's just it like, also looks like that. Yeah. Yeah. But the part that really made me laugh, even this morning, I was sitting on my couch thinking more about it, and it just is so silly that now, like, shorthand for open world game has become you have to show a character running up to the edge of a cliff. This is all from Breath of the Wild. Then you have a twinkling piano. Like the fact that Pokemon Legends use it, and then also the new Sonic trailer, it's that same idea of just have a character look over a cliff, and then it's like it's so silly that that is just the symbol now for, that's right, Breath of the Wild fans, we got your piano, baby, everything you want. It is a weird one. Uh, Leo, any any excitement over the idea of a more open Sonic game? Please tell us. Absolutely. This. Oh, great. Have you ever wanted to play Breath of the Wild, but the character is a stupid little blue guy <laughs> that looks the same as he did 20 years ago? Hell, I yes. Have. I legitimately, like, yeah, I've never been more excited for a Sonic game easily. <laughs> hey, I guess Mission Accomplished, totally that. They On their site and in, like, the press release, it's really funny the way they're wording this. Because they don't say open world. They multiple times say, so it's, quote, an adrenaline pumping. So write that down, everybody. An adrenaline pumping open zone inspired adventure. <laughs> so you tell me what that means. Not open world. That's like when you're not allowed to call something food. <laughs> and you, you call it, like, snack substitute or something. Right, right. Well, you know, players will, quote, have the freedom to explore the visually stunning open zone realm. And so are they trying to be cheeky with, like, the Zone Sonic thing? Or is it just really not as open world as we I would come to I it's not believe? actually that open world. Yeah. It's probably, like, open zones. Right. And then you can travel to different zones. I think you're probably right. Yeah. It's the same uh, director as, uh, like, Sonic Lost World, Sonic Forces. It's still the old Sonic team. So, you know, don't think that it's revolutionizing Sonic. But, hey, coming out holiday 2022, Sarah. And it's right there for you. We're excited that you're excited. Also, I think Sonic had like a good show at the Game Awards because they yeah, showed the new. What's that? It's rough when like the when Sonic is you know one of the glimmering points of your show when usually we don't expect that level from Sega. Yeah, and it's. I really, I was like, wow, Sonic. That was really that was like one of the better parts of the show because it was like a one-two punch of Sonic Frontiers and then also the new trailer mm-hmm. for Sonic the Hedgehog two that. Ben Schwartz, voice of Sonic, came on stage to present the best presenter in Game Awards history. He should just present the entire Game Awards. You know, hey, we all like Jeff Keighley, but come on, it's it's time to go. Let's get Ben Schwartz in there. Just have somebody, he could present every award. Just have somebody who's like engaging with the audience, being funny, silly. You know, he talked about the ugly Sonic design. He hit all the comedy beats he had to. It was perfect. And then Jim Carrey came on and Pretended to choke the camera for what felt like three hours. I don't know exactly what was going on with that clip, but hey, there we go. I always wondered what it would look like to be choked by Jim Carrey. So this is, it was a good, a yeah, good touch there. That's right. That's what the Game Awards are for. Uh, all right, Leo. What was the uh, most Leo game shown here, man? There was like two seconds of Riders Republic in the middle of a commercial for something else. That yeah. was the highlight for me, probably. Yeah. Okay. Great. Great. It was a it was a good good find. It was weird to see like the games that weren't really in the show in a big way, but they still found their way in. Like Halo Infinite wasn't up for any awards, but Halo Infinite kept popping up throughout the That's entire right. show. Uh, it was really amazing. Like just clips or you know the star of Shang Chi up there pretending to watch Halo Infinite on his phone. Like it felt like they knew that it was a bummer that the most 
talked about game right now is not up for any awards. And they kind of tried to program that around that. But really, nothing else caught your eye? The new Saints Row trailer looked great. Yeah. Honestly, I'm totally with you. Like, we were talking about it in the reaction stream, but that was one that I felt like I've seen everything I need to see. We saw gameplay clips, so we kind of got the idea. Saints Row Reboot got it. But, like, that was just rapid firing between things that genuinely piqued my interest. Like, wait, there are some superpowers? Wait, you can fly a jet, but then also, like, change it and fly between buildings? It was just, like, amazing action shots, rapid firing. I... I think no one's talking about it, but I do think that was like one of the best trailers of the entire show. Yeah, definitely. The Game Awards in general, it's just like, there's kind of a weird... I think part of the reason people only engage with it ironically and to make fun of it is yeah. because the industry is so mired in uh, abuse allegations right now. Right. To be frank. And it's like going from that kind of half addressing at the start of it to... Like, we're talking about that Quantic Dream game, which, as Orange Lightning pointed out in the chat, like, they have serious allegations going on around about them right yes, now. Yes, absolutely. And it's like, we're there to celebrate games, but if we don't call out exactly who we're not celebrating, <laughs> it kind of feels like we're just brushing a lot of stuff under the rug. Yeah, when the you fact know? that, you know, the biggest talkers in the industry of the year has been Activision Blizzard, everybody was... Pretty pissed at Keeley for saying, like, ah, we're not going to call them out directly. You know, they're not involved with the show in a big way other than the stuff that they're nominated for. I mean, he must be uh, thanking the lucky stars that Activision wasn't up for, like, Game of the Year awards or things like that. Like, they really weren't present in a big way in the awards themselves. Honestly, yeah. It's like, I wonder what his decision would have been if it was harder to not include them. Right. And, you know, we talked about it a little bit where he opened the show by going out on a limb and saying harassment is bad everybody in this industry we want to respect people and the crowd (laughs) applauded and you know obviously we wanted him to call out activision in particular but then as we talked about leo uh, during the reaction stream like it's that tough thing of the entire video game industry is uh had a bunch of rough patches in the past present and future and so if you call out activision then it's like okay now let's also call out riot let's call out quantic dream let's call out ubisoft let's call out insomniac let's call out all the big companies which hey i don't know if you're sensing a thread i think it's almost every video game company essentially every video game company an industry that's built on predominantly young men with a lot of money like has not had a good history or present for a lot of folks they could have handled it is just doing like a list like those uh <laughs> those uh fallout or the the fallout codes they could have just had them scroll across the screen like every right. company that's ever done anything wrong yes just listing every video game company like by the way <laughs> we don't stand with these folks now please enjoy the video game industry uh yeah there's no easy solution to it certainly but the the fact that there isn't means there is this specter hanging over it that is going to prevent people from really being able to engage with it without feeling conflicted yeah, I was really, I was expecting and, and hoping for something more from the audience. Like, not that it needs to turn into, you know, a sports game or something, but like, you know, would it have killed them to start a chant of Fire Bobby during the live show or something? <laughs> Just like something that would get the message out there. I feel like there were enough people in that audience that felt passionately about this topic. I don't know, yeah. you, can't, you can't be mad at a crowd for not starting a chant, but it's like that w- would have been an interesting opportunity to get specific with some message. Some sort of chant of like, look into Activision abuse stories, just anything like that. Support Activision Blizzard workers. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, so that was definitely a, a tough note to start the show on. Do you feel like they kind of soured the entire show for you then? I mean, 
a little bit, not more than I, more or less than I expected. You know, it was kind of the bare minimum thing at the start, but it was better than nothing. Yeah, yeah. Other big themes in the show: uh, no Nintendo, no Nintendo reveals, yeah. which is odd. I feel like Keeley's uh, been on a hot streak of really having a good partnership with Nintendo, and like Doug Bowser got up there to accept an award at a certain point. Um, I forget which game it was for exactly. Metroid. Yeah, that's right. Because <laughs> Metroid. I'm glad, they, I'm glad Metroid got something. Yeah, it won Best Action Adventure Game, and Doug Bowser got up there and explained that it is a bit of an action game and a bit of an adventure game, so we got it all there. (laughs) Yeah, Uh, he clearly planned that speech ahead of time. (laughs) (laughs) Embarrassing, but sure. Uh, Let's see, other big no-shows. I thought that that Half-Life rumored game that's like a Half-Life shooter co-op RTS thing that was leaked, I thought for sure that was going to be there with Keeley's Valve connections and the fact that they want to position it as like a Steam Deck prioritized game and... Steam Deck's coming out soon, and that wasn't there. That was surprising. I thought Bioshock might be there, since those rumors are really bubbling up. Uh, still nothing there. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think the other big theme is going into this thing. Keely in uh, the Game Awards podcast, which was on Spotify, um, which I listened to it. I genuinely enjoyed uh, the episodes. It's with like, Jeff Gersman and Tina Amini and, and Jeff Keeley unpacking the history of the Game Awards and stuff. But... Um, Keely was really emphasizing that, like, oh, you're going to see next-gen gameplay in this Game Awards that's going to confirm, like, next-gen is here. This is incredible. I don't think I saw it. Am I nuts, Sarah? Did you see anything that you're like, my God, this is I the mean, new generation? We saw a lot of cinematic trailers, but I don't know. I'm kind of tired of, like, watching movies <laughs> right. as trailers. Like, I want to see the game. And, like, the polished cutscenes are great, and they look amazing, and I'm sure they were very expensive. But if, if next-gen gaming is just, like, how good can it look graphically? I don't know if I'm, like, as on board. Yes, I'm totally with, with you. With that idea. Right. And stuff looked fantastic, especially, you know, considering the size of some of these teams. But, like, he opened the entire show... I think like the first big reveal the main show was the Hellblade 2 trailer. Uh, Senua's Saga, um, which does look amazing, but then if you think about it in terms of like, what are we doing in the gameplay there? It looks like we're just kind of running away from a big troll thing and shooting and it with arrows. Sticks. Right. It's a very beautiful looking Crash Bandicoot run away from the screen style thing. <laughs> I, I, it looks incredible and I'm sure that game's going to be really interesting and I do want to give it up. You know, we talked about it in the reaction server, but I do want to give it up to Keeley for like opening the show with this six minute dark mood piece of Senua hearing voices and trying to take down a troll. Like it is a cool artsy way to open the show. But in terms of next gen gameplay that got me really hyped, it wasn't that. And it wasn't the matrix stuff at the end. Realistically. I mean, maybe once we play that unreal engine five experience that the matrix will be, we'll be blown away then. But I think Forspoken in the past was kind of the, flagship for next gen of like look how fast you can move across this environment right and load it in at this level of detail but the new forespoken trailer didn't really have any of that no it's cool she kind of had bullets and were throwing bullets as if they were spells and stuff and they confirmed the release date which is may 24th 2022 so that thing's coming soon we might have more to say about forespoken in the near future at min max please stay tuned everybody um but yeah that, that trailer i don't think really popped in a huge way um let's see i'm trying to think of the other big things like honestly one of the more impressive gameplay bits uh, of the show, for me at least, was a game that they've been talking about for a long time. It was the first time they actually 
really showed it and it was called Nighting, Nighting, Night, Night, Nightingale, Night, Nighting, Nightingale. <laughs> Sarah, why can't What's I say that? Oh, word? you're talking about like the, it's like Valheim, but not Valheim. Yes. That what, was the working title. You could like title. build a little town with your friends. Yeah. Go through these portals and like fight in different fantasy zones. Right. And so it's from a studio called Inflection Games now, which is a bunch of former uh, Bioware developers. Aaron Flynn, the former head of Bioware, uh, started at the studio a while ago, and they've been talking about building up a new RPG for a while. But yeah, it's the first time we saw it, and it is very much that Valheim thing that got me excited. I'm like, okay, so looks like it has a good budget behind it, and it's a co-op, they describe it as a shared world survival crafting game set in a rich gas lamp Victorian fantasy setting. So fans of gas lamps will find a lot to love here. Um, but that idea of like working with friends and building up an entire town in this survival game and then having these giant creatures come in and crash through it is exactly what I love about Valheim. Even like the portals and all that stuff, it's all here. But I think that looked really cool. And that was like something that's like, okay, the idea of building a town and having a big thing destroy it piece by piece and have it look that good like that has me way more excited than running away from a monster in hellblade 2 but that's just me nightingale everybody it's from like um improbable is the name of the tech and the company funding this thing and they're big on like their streaming tech and stuff like that um scavengers came out not too long ago from them but yeah nightingale it's pc only and 2022 is what they're saying for that big release date uh, let's see. Another big surprise. Again, if you put all these back to back, this is not too shabby. Uh, we got Wonder Woman. Finally, it's revealed what Monolith is working on. It's a freaking Wonder Woman game. I, you gotta imagine that they had their pick of what Warner Brothers property to work on, and probably after Shadow of War came out, it's like, okay, what's hot right now? People like the Wonder Woman movie? Let's push for that. But I don't know, Brian, is a resident superhero nerd, uh, did that trailer do anything for you? Yeah, I mean, you got a good pedigree. People have been wanting, and you know, more that uh, the Shadow of Mordor like engine, and I I don't know how it's going to translate to Wonder Woman style, but um, you got a good pedigree. Uh, we know that Wonder Woman can be done well by at least the first movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, hey, it's crazy. And, Is it true, Brian? Yeah. I was really thinking about this. Has there never been a Wonder Woman game before? Obviously, she's been in games, but is this really the first standalone Wonder Woman game? I think it's the only one I can think. I mean, she's probably been in some like Justice League type of stuff. Right, right. But yeah, I don't, I don't think she's had her own. And that's so that's weird. pretty cool. Yeah. Um, so I'm curious about this whole thing. Um, and in the trailer, there's a line that kind of caught my interest where uh, it's Wonder Woman's mother saying, you're a hero, but you can be more. You can be a leader. I was like, oh, I wonder if that means they're going to be leaning into the kind of nemesis stuff. Like, are they going to take kind of some of the systems of Shadow of Mordor, of like building up an army, recruiting people, nemesis system? Leo, you're shaking your head. Yes. (laughs) That would be amazing. I would love for them to do something like that with it. I think it'd be kind of cool. Just have like open world on her island and you're like recruiting troops and stuff like that as this evil force is invading it. Because, I don't know, Brian, does it make sense just to set it on the island? Is there, like, a go-to city that, for her? It seems like the island would be great, because then you could go around and recruit the Amazons, right? Mm-hmm. And there'd be a natural border. Uh, and then you could have the big cliffhanger at the end where it's like, the war is extending to the rest of Earth. No, you know? Wonder Woman! And then yeah. we can play that in eight years. Yeah, fantastic. <laughs> uh, it is amazing that this thing didn't leak. 
I thought for sure that something this big, like what Monolith is working on next, would get out there in some way, but I didn't see anything about it. Um, and I my fingers crossed they're going to be working on a Matrix game, but sure, Wonder Woman, that seems all right. Uh, yeah, I suppose, I suppose with Warner Brothers, they have the lightning rod of the Rocksteady game and the um, uh, the Montreal uh, yeah, Gotham game Knights. too, so that yeah. kind of like, hey, look over here, you know? That's true. We didn't even notice it. Uh, another big thing, again, people saying not enough was announced. I, this is huge if you just look at it. Alan Wake 2. Uh, Kyle Hilliard uh, rocketed through the roof in excitement here, but this is Remedy coming back and finally announcing something they've been saying they've wanted to make and have tried making for so, so long now. Um, And it was cool. Like, their big pitch is that, hey, this is Remedy's first survival horror game. This game's going to spook you out, was, if I may summarize their messaging. Uh, Is this trailer doing it for anybody? It was exciting to see. I think Alan Wake 1 holds up surprisingly well, just as far as actually being fun to play. Yeah? Like, going back to it, I was not expecting that aspect. So hopefully it gets, you know, some kind of re-release leading up to it. But I was mainly surprised to see Alan Wake being uh, Troy Baker now. Right. Having a new face. Yeah, it's the ultimate horror, I think, is he has transformed into Troy Baker seemingly. I don't think Troy has confirmed it anywhere, but it certainly sounds that way. Um, You know what the strangest thing is? They had the full opportunity to change his face in that remaster to line up between that and the sequel. Right. And for that matter, Control Ultimate Edition, which they went back and did. Uh, So why not? This is your chance and you let it pass by and now two is going to be weird. It's like, who is this Alan Wake? But well, you know, know, to be fair, at the end of the trailer, he like transforms into a spooky demon guy and screams at the camera. And so maybe he's just constantly transforming uh, throughout the entire thing. And that's going to be the Alan Wake 2 experience. Mm. Um, as long as he has his hoodie blazer combo, people will be able to recognize him. That's it. That's Alan Wake, baby. Um, hey, can I ask a tangential question? Please. Does having Troy Baker in your game sell more copies of it? The way having an actor in your movie will get people to see it? Likeness wise? Yeah. Are more people, are, are people who are just Troy Baker fans going to play Alan Wake 2 now? There's probably a sliver. I think it adds a little bit. And it's like, yeah, you know, he's he's cliche, but still a good actor, right? And, you know, I was talking about it during the reaction stream, but he's on the Play, Watch, Listen podcast, which is, I think, my favorite gaming podcast right now. It's really fantastic with Alana Pierce hosting it. Um, And he talks about that exact idea uh, quite a bit about, like, worrying that people are sick of him and if it's bringing the game down to make his face look like the characters in the game and some people might want to shy away from that because they don't want that reputation of like another Troy Baker game so I don't know there's probably a certain amount of people that will there's probably there's probably millions of Last of Us fans that we aren't accounting for that are like oh the guy who played Joel I guess I'll check this out True. at least tens of thousands of those people exist right <laughs> I mean Joel like that's maybe his number one role I mean doesn't look like him at all right like they always right. like kind of pull a little bit of this human being over here and the body from this person over here and the voice from this person and like it's kind of weird how they kind of frankenstein everyone together for their for their characters i guess so they they're not just like ah they're avoiding that very thing like troy baker as joel in the last of us you know right and part of it was like with the last of us part one you know they didn't uh, mocap the faces that was all hand animated so they can make the faces look wherever they wanted, which was a cool precedent to set. And then with Last of Us Part Two, it's like, okay, I think they did some mocap for that, but they tried to shoehorn it into those old face models and stuff, which is a funny fusion. Um, let's see, Kyle Hilliard, big Remedy fan, big Alan Wake fan. Uh, I asked for his insight 
and um, I don't know if I can do a Kyle impersonation, but he says, it kind of looks like it'll be jumping back and forth between Washington and maybe New York. Looks kind of New York-y. There's a subway sign that says Caldera St. Street Station in the nighttime footage, but Google didn't turn it up as a real thing. Might be a fictionalized take on a New York or something. Maybe it's near the oldest house from Control? Solid speculation, Kyle. Uh, I know the DLC was combining those worlds, but that would be interesting. But yeah, 2023 is what they're saying. They say, please don't hold your breath. It's going to be a hell of a long time before you learn more about Alan Wake 2. But cool to know that Remedy's actually working on it. Um, Let's see. Let's see. Suicide Squad. They showed a new trailer for that. Brian, anything doing it for you there? Yeah, I I think when they first announced it, uh, back whenever that was, uh, I was a little bummed because I was like, I know they they need to have some more creative freedom, but like, God, they're just so good at making Batman. And then that was Suicide Squad before the James Gunn movie came out. So it was like, ah oh man, of all the properties they could have taken up, like they got this dorky one, but now <laughs> it's cool again. And yeah. they're one of the best uh, developers in the world. Uh, so I'm just kind of confused on how it's going to all play out, but I do like, like the cool idea is like, okay, I know more about the suicide squad characters, like who the shark, like I'm familiar with the shark guy now. And right. Um, and seeing gameplay, like real gameplay for the first time, it's like, okay, it seems like you could take advantage of all these different powers. And I like the idea of like hunting down these characters, you know, very well, like the flash and Superman, better than the characters you're actually playing as it's kind of a smart workaround yeah and then it's like then the suicide squad is not like crazy powered up like trying to make a whole game based around the flash or superman it's like oh these guys are so invincible and their powers are so weird to translate but if you have like only slight superpowers going against these crazy bosses it's 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 a cool concept yeah yeah uh, yeah, I don't have anything that got me more excited for it in that trailer, but yeah, it seems right. Yeah. Do we know if this is, it's like, looks like a mult, like a co-op game, but is really just single player like Guardians of the Galaxy, or do we know anything about that? That's a great question. I assume it's co-op. Yeah, it has to be co-op. I, I'm trying to remember, I think it was four player co-op, but then Gotham Knights is two. It's something like that. It was, where it's confusing where you'd think that Gotham Knights would be four. So I always get that uh, jumbled in my head. Uh, let's see. Other big things. They announced Final Fantasy VII Remake is coming to PC December 16th. Epic Game Store exclusive. But hey, check it out, everybody. I hear it's 2020's best game. Uh, Space Marine 2, I'm very excited about. I really enjoyed that first game from Relic back in like 2011 or whenever that came out. But Space Marine 2 and Tim Willits is working on it with Saber Interactive. Uh, Tim Willits left Doom and id behind to work on a new Space Marine. The second one with Space Marine 2. Uh, remember that time that Saber Interactive was purchased by Embracer Group for $525 million, which is almost as much as Sony paid for Insomniac, which seems bananas, but hey, look at this. Space Marine 2. They'll get the whole thing. Uh, Dune Spice Wars. How many times do I have to scream it? I think that's very exciting. It's an RTS with 4X strategy game elements is the way they describe this thing. And it's so cool. I wish it would have timed out with the movie because I left that movie loving it so much and just wanting a new Dune game to play. So I'm really looking forward to this thing coming in early access in 2022. Yeah, Uh, I'm a big Dune nerd and uh, definitely looking forward to that. Uh, It should be noted for those unfamiliar that uh, Dune has a long 
history in the RTS genre, right? It kind of it kind of created kind it. Of created it, right? Yeah, back at the Westwood. Yeah, so it's cool to see it carried forward here. So the studio is Shiro Games. Uh, they made Northgard last, and it's published by Funcom there. But uh, you can play as House Atreides, Brian Vore, Harkonnen, and more. And I guess you can create spies and like infiltrate the other camps and stuff like that. So I think it'll be cool. Might oh. secretly be the best game that they revealed here. <laughs> Might be doing Spice Wars. <laughs> uh, let's see. Uh, Rumbleverse from Iron Galaxy. Uh, the studio that did a lot of support for Fortnite is now being published by Epic for their new game, Rumbleverse, which looks like a melee-focused take on Fortnite. But cool to see Epic is not scared of competition because they're funding this whole thing. So it's coming out in early access February 8th, 2022. Uh, Arc Raiders, which... Sarah could not get over how excited I was for it, even though she forgot exactly what it is. Yeah, I really, I'm, it's not raining any bells. <laughs> it was the one that I liked at the end because there was a sphere jumping by oh, people. Oh, your favorite game. The mm. one that you cross your own bingo thing off. That's when right. When they said it had to be unanimous. Yep, and then cross my heart and hope to die because I was so excited for Ark Raiders. Um, but looking into it, I am actually a little bit more excited about it. It's coming out 2022 and it's a free-to-play co-op shooter, which, you know, we've seen those before. But the team is Embark Studios, which has a lot of former DICE talent in it, including one of my favorite people I've ever interviewed, Stefan Stronberg, who is the sound designer uh, for DICE uh, back in the glory days. Remember when it was like DICE, the main talking point was how good all their games sounded? That was kind of the Stefan Stronberg era. Not that the new team isn't talented, but I associate it in a big way with him. Um, so he's over there with Patrick Soderlin and those folks, um, but it's got a really cool style to it. It's like a 70s retro vibe, fighting a bunch of machines. I'm going to be excited about it, and I will not be shamed about my hype for Ark Riders, Sarah. I just didn't realize that it's like all you need is like a sphere, like an orb. Yeah. Um, to really get you going. I just like the prisoner. Um, and so anytime there's a big sphere thing as a threat, I'm naturally going to be completely on board with it. Um, okay. Game of the Year. They also gave out awards, and people would not believe it, but they somehow rolled out a bunch of awards during the show as well. Uh, Sarah. Mm-hmm. Game of the year. Roll it out. What it, you got? It takes two. Shocking. Really shocking. Yeah. I think at the I really was surprised. Yeah, I feel like at the start of the stream, we talked about the chances, and I think I put it at 10% that it takes two would win. Because it's like, it's a bunch of press voting on this, and I think mm-hmm. having it be required co-op means a lot of people weren't playing it. And people, some people are annoyed by Yosef Ferris, which I understand, right? But still, the fact that this could take game of the year is amazing. Just it immediately puts off my radar where it's like, obviously, uh, Keely counts on him for viral moments pretty much every yep, show. That's the way it works. And yeah. like they perfect, purposely were like, we're not letting him talk like earlier in the show. So it's just like the long shot it had. Plus that factor just makes my makes me extremely suspicious. Even though hmm. I mean it's on my definitely to playlist, but yeah. even though it's supposed to be very very good, uh, it just kind of doesn't. It kind of feels weird to me. So you're saying there's some Keely shenanigans? Is that your conspiracy theory? I bet the only shenanigan happening because it's like what the vote is 90% from the press. Keely doesn't even have a say in the official vote here. And you know what it's like at Game Informer. People always assume there's crazy conspiracies about lists and game of the year and stuff. But realistically, it's just, I don't know. It's how the hive mind worked out. Um, but I, the only conspiracy theory I can see happening here is that like they would have had another place for him to talk 
but they knew it was going to win game of the year. So it's like, okay, well let's, let's save this so he can give a, a speech at the end instead of giving him the mic earlier in the show for some reason to present some other award or something because he's become synonymous with the game awards ever saying, ever since saying F the Oscars, which he explained in his acceptance speech that the Oscars did get effed. So in case you were wondering, <laughs> but it's the first yeah. time a game of his has been nominated for game of the year, right? Yeah. I mean, like I maybe that's reason enough for him to not be a part of it. Otherwise. Yeah, that could be. Yeah, and he's not revealing it necessarily, so there's not a big reason to, to shoehorn, him in, shoehorn him in and all that stuff. But I thought it was nice. It was a nice acceptance speech. It was nice that he shouted out Neil Druckmann, who gave him the award. He's like, by the way, Neil, you're a big inspiration. Okay, moving on. Like, not many people have the presence of mind to, to squeeze that out. Uh, but you I suppose, should. I suppose he did. I mean, they did win a few awards earlier in the night, too. So yeah. it kind of had a hot streak going. Right. It won Best Multiplayer, and that should have been a bigger sign, I think. They're like, oh. Yeah. Best family game, Best which a family. lot of people were a little concerned about. Uh, I'm a little concerned people are going to be like, oh, I found this new game to play with my child. I, I guess, could it hurt kids to learn about divorce? Is that necessarily a terrible thing for kids to be aware is a concept? Brian, you're a father. We were more concerned about the elephant. Right, well, that's a, there's a big moment in yeah. there. Yeah. Was that supposed to be funny, Daddy? <laughs> <laughs> Why were Ronnie and Hanson laughing so much during the stream? Uh... Yeah, I don't know. I, I think you should absolutely play it, Brian. I think it's it's a very good game. And I, I think it's it's going to reframe It Takes Two in an interesting way for this year. I think. We're going in. I thought it was going to be Deathloop by a mile. But like, just speaking personally, it felt like this is putting a little wind in the sails for like, maybe I will fight for it harder for Max's game of the year. And I know it's stupid to be influenced that way. I always hated it. You know, you remember Leo back in Game Informer debating whether or not Breath of the Wild should be game of the year in 2017. And everyone was very on the fence, and it was a tough argument the entire way through. And then after the Game Awards, where Breath of the Wild won Game of the Year, then it was like, okay, I guess we can do it. <laughs> and I was like, what? We've been screaming at you. Not getting specific on who, but we've been screaming at you that Breath of the Wild's Game of the Year. So I think it probably happened with Hades, too. Just some games yeah. of certain at a certain caliber need to be like legitimized. You need to see it as possible to give a game of the year. Right, which, I mean, Last of Us Part Two won last year, but just Hades winning so many other awards last year yeah 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 for sure uh, i wonder if availability has helped it too because it's available on on many more platforms you know obviously sony games have won game of the year in, in the past but um the ps5 still hard to get even for people in the press some for some people so that's interesting you know, getting your hands on death loop you know when you're a real relying on a, a big group of people to vote on it. I mean, It Takes Two got on Game Pass before the awards came out. Especially, so. especially something like Returnal, which people were upset wasn't even nominated. It ended up winning Best Action, which I think is an awesome place for it. Um, but yeah, that one in particular, it's like, yeah, not even on PC, how many people are really getting access to Returnal to be able to nominate it and push it through here. Um, but this is another thing where it's easy to criticize the Game Awards. I thought like their winners, by and large, were really good. Age of Empires 4 won Best Sim Strategy, uh, I'm happy with it takes two winning the overall thing like Returnal got its due uh, best narrative went to Marvel's Guardians of the Galaxy which I genuinely think like I think that's a good place for it compared to every other game's story in that category I think it's probably the strongest uh, Sarah I know you were outraged that Chicory was snubbed in a big bad way I'm still mad that Chicory was snubbed yeah for it, games for impact yeah so yeah here's, here's like, did they play it did they play Chicory I don't know not enough people did. And I think there's a little bit of like people voting, even if they didn't play Life is Strange Shoe Colors, 
It's just like, well, they there's assume. there's a brand yeah. association there, which is like, yeah, I think it's about like women's feelings or something. So yeah, that seems like a games for impact. I, I'm sure there's a little bit of that going on. Yeah, because like chicory on the surface, like it just looks like a coloring book. Right. And then you dig deeper into it and you're like, oh, oh my God. Oh my, oh my God. It's a good game. So, Play yeah, chicory, everybody. Uh, all right, that's it for the game awards. They also had uh, a Matrix clip at the end. They all came out. Carrie Ann Moss and Keanu Reeves showed a clip, which I don't, it was an odd clip. <laughs> uh, here's the thing. All right, Sarah, I yeah. don't know if you have to like take your headphones off or something, but we got to talk a little bit about the Matrix. I hope that's all right. Uh. I'm sorry. Uh, but in that clip, like one of the most fascinating things about the trailer for Matrix Resurrections was that they had clips from the original Matrix like projected in the background of certain shots. It's like, what is happening in this new movie? And if this clip is as much as they explain it, <laughs> like, I will be blown away because it's so bizarre where they just, they show Morpheus projected on a wall and then they have the new Morpheus say, eh, sometimes nostalgia is cool. <laughs> Basically, where it's like, what? It's almost like that's the entire marketing plan for the movie. How dare you? I mean, now, would, wouldn't that be crazy that they're just trying to market the first movie to you again, but in another movie? This is the only soft reboot like that of the tens of thousands we've gotten in the past five years that I think might actually like address that and have something to say about it. And for that reason, I'm interested. Oh, good. Okay. Yeah. Same. Also, as we know from the unreal demo yeah the line in there marketing is the enemy don't trust them (laughs) okay so this is really weird did you play that brian yeah i I fired it up this morning oh good okay yeah so did i so this is a new tech demo that uh epic released uh it's just on the new gen consoles right i don't think it's on pc i believe yeah ps5 xbox series x okay and s and yeah, it is really bizarre where there's several beats in the beginning where Neo is talking to Trinity about marketing being evil. Like he's literally like agents. I thought they were bad. But once marketing came in, blah, where he says, yeah, yeah he came in. We he- all know it's legal. Are you kidding me? You're going to point at marketing. We <laughs> all know it. Legal runs this. Neo, you that. should know better. It's legal. That's the problem. But yeah, he literally said there's a line where he goes, marketing. I thought we were supposed to have total creative control. But this is the weird thing, Sarah. What? It's like the idea. Please correct me, Matrix fans out there. But in that moment, I was like, that's pretty meta for the Matrix. I was like, I guess the Matrix is all about meta, but not about like film industry meta. I'm sure there's a read in the film where it is. But did that strike you as weird, Brian? Is that going to be like a theme in the movie as well? Is it going to be embracing Hollywood a little bit more because they're showing clips of previous Hollywood films? Yeah, it's especially that combined with the footage we saw of the movie. Um, it's just weird to think like how they're going to wrap like, hey, remember this trilogy of movies we were both in? And <laughs> right. now we have to move on from that. <laughs> like, I'm expecting this to be one of the weirdest, giant, expensive blockbusters uh, in maybe of all time. Yeah. And it's going to be expecting uh, full weird. Yes. I really hope so. I I'm happy to announce that as of the last trailer, I have decided I like the movie, so I'm excited to see it. All right. That oh, congratulations. That's awesome. Um, and yeah, Sarah, that is my movie of the year. Will any amount of hype for the concept of the Matrix make you go back and watch the original Matrix, which you confessed last night you've never seen? No. What if I told you that if you support Mimax on Patreon, you can lock a commentary track for the original Matrix from us? 
You did that? Yeah, Brian and Alex Grinling from Bungie and I did it. I mean, would it make the movie better? No, because nothing can make the movie better because it's almost a perfect film. It is the coolest movie ever made. Um, Confirmed re- very recently that it's still totally awesome. <laughs> <laughs> You're really missing it. I know it's cool to be like, you know, Gen Z and want to move on, but... I don't know who Doja Cat is, and I'm very proud of that. Right, right. I would just like to point out some... But some people just said, oh, I can't believe you don't know who Doja Cat is. But if the entire internet was like, my God, Doja Cat is a cultural phenomenon and one of the greatest artists of all time, and you haven't listened to them, that's embarrassing, I would change my tune, and I would be singing the greatest Doja Cat hits right now. And then you'll finish Arcane, too. (laughs) You can't say that Arcane is as important and as phenomenal as The Matrix. (laughs) I mean, when it came out and when? 99. Yeah. And it you still know how looks. Old I, was? I couldn't. I was under the age of being allowed to watch the movie. Yeah, I know. That's why it's still impressive that it still looks so good and is so cool. I think if you see the effects, you'll be like, this does not look like it's from 1999. I don't know what, what 1999 looks like. It looks like Phantom Menace. It looks like hot trash, <laughs> by and large, except for this. Jar Jar Binks. Yes. Uh, but hey, just think about it here, Sarah. If you can't play it or you can't watch it, then you can go jump in and interact with it with a tech demo called The Matrix Awakens, which is, I think you're totally right, Leo, like you mentioned earlier. It is like another example of, hey, it's the next generation of gameplay. It looks ridiculously good. And then they really just have like a light gun shooter sequence where you're like shooting the tires out of cars and you know, it's a tech demo. So it's not a concept gameplay demo, but it is just that bummer of like, is this going to be the new generation that we're so excited for? It's just the cars look really good and the people look really good. Yeah. That's not exactly what I'm stoked for, but Brian, I don't know if you had the same reaction that I did. That thing is ridiculously cool. Yeah. They, they knew exactly what they're doing. Like, it starts out with real actor footage. Yeah. And then they just bling back and forth between Unreal and the, the real actors. And you're like, wait, wait, is that? Wait, huh, who, huh? It's just like scrambles your brain because the Unreal engine looks so good. But then like every once in a while you get a tiny uncanny valley. It, it's, it's really cool. And then um, the fact that they made it playable, I think. Yeah. Obviously, it looks great, but the most important, the impressive part to me is that they somehow built a humongous, humongous city just for this demo. Yes, gameplay issues aside, you know, because it's a tech demo or whatever, like the part that blows my mind is then, yeah, you are dropped into this open world where it's just recreating the city from the Matrix, which, what's it called? Megalopolis? What is the city from the Matrix called? There's some official term for this fictional city, but it is ridiculous, Leo. Have you seen this at all? No, you should really check it out because I just thought it would be like a couple square blocks, but you're running around as this character. You can get in cars and drive them around. You can crash them and the destruction of the cars looks amazing. And then you can also just go into drone mode where then you can speed up and literally just fly around the city and then drop your character anywhere you want. It is the best looking open world visually for a city I've ever seen. It is ridiculous ridiculously good looking and the fact that you can fly anywhere then just like drop off like the reflections on the windows the cars everything is bonkers it's like how big of a team was this that made an entire open world just for the sake of a tech demo how long is the demo uh you can just like you're dropped into the world i don't know if there's any way to quote unquote finish it but they have like points of interest where it's just kind of telling you some little behind the scenes tech things that you can explore so 
I guess you could walk around that open world for as long as you want, man. The intro, I mean, like the cinematic stuff. Like, what is oh, it, the an cin- hour? The intro is like 10 minutes. Yeah. And then, and then you just dropped in the open world to just kind of play around. But the craziest thing for me, when you're, you mentioned the flying, yeah. you can go up to windows and see rooms inside the skyscrapers. Yeah. It's not just like what? a dull finish. Like you can fly up and be like, oh, there's an office with like a chair and a couch. And like, here's a hotel. Like it is <laughs> crazy detailed and you can just fly like so, so high and you can see other huge cities, islands just off in the distance. Yeah. And water. I thought I read some press release flying by on Twitter that it was actually not very big of a team. At I all. saw that too. Yeah. It was something like they used this kind of crazy AA technology to like, and it pulled in a bunch of assets and then just like shot it out. And it just kind of like creates this whole city. And even at the end of the cinematic part, they just kind of let you toggle different things on and off. Like, Hey, toggle day and night and day and night. And it just looks like transitions perfectly. Like all the, you know, the sun goes away and then all the lights turn on and it's, everything's like so impressively lit. And they like, Oh, here's our AI car system. And it like turns them into these weird little blocks and like you can just toggle it on and off. Like it's technically, amazing. I'm not, I'm not an engine expert or anything, but I watch Digital Foundry. Whoa, and, uh, hey, whoa, la every, da. Everything I saw was uh, super impressive. Yeah, and it like people in the chat said it was a little bit chuggy on PS5. Definitely, when I was driving and crashing my car, or when I was flying as fast as possible, like the frame rate dropped a little bit. And, you know, you're not doing a lot. You're just kind of walking around this world. But, I mean, this is in tech demo Hall of Fame territory. Like, this thing is just ridiculous. And it's like... Impossible game of the year, it sounds like. (laughs) I mean, let's see. Let's see how it goes. Um, Yeah, it's really, really impressive. I recommend checking it out just for, like, a glimpse of, oh, if they could get GTA 6 to look like this. My God. Just think of the possibilities. Brian, you're like a smart marketing guy. You worked, yeah. you worked for a big company. Here's my question. Okay, so it's designed to promote Unreal Engine 5. Also designed to promote The Matrix Resurrections. Who pays who for this? I was thinking about that very <laughs> question this morning. I was like, wait. Unreal benefits because of Matrix. Matrix benefits because of Unreal. Like, how does, how does Epic frame these, like... You should have uh, like Nick Chester or somebody on to be like, explain the Radiohead thing and this Matrix thing, please. <laughs> yes, yes. Are just that many more people seeing this and then using Unreal Engine to develop their game and then they give them a cut if it crosses, what, like a million dollars in total sales or something? But yeah, it is just bananas. Yeah, it's all it's all free too. So it's not like, okay, we'll team up together and split the profits. Like it's just all buzz and marketing and yeah. I mean, it's worked. I, I, I flip it up on YouTube and like there's tons of videos of people playing through the Matrix and uh, posting it, showing it off. Um, yeah. I don't know if you saw there was a, a Verge interview with, with uh, Keanu and Carrie Ann Moss. No. Um, and they just kind of talk about like, hey, what was it like being in this thing? And it's crazy. <laughs> and they ask, that sounds hard hitting. You know, uh, they're like, hey, would you, would you want this to be like a full video game and ma- be in a video game? He's like, He's like, yeah, I mean, I had to see the script and stuff, but uh, it's stupid. Like, someone's dropping the ball by not making a Matrix video game right now, you know? Yes, yes. It's a <laughs> monolith. Just take this world once you're done with Wonder Woman and then just put some missions in it. Like, it is just insane that this world is just going to be sitting there empty. 
just abandoned after all this time. One other cool touch I thought was like, oh man, what happens if I run over pedestrians? And yeah. they just do that cool like green matrix, like, <laughs> like <laughs> right, you drive right. through them. Yep, it's a smart way to just... get around it. <laughs> but yeah, a matrix awakens is what that's called. Um, Sarah, come back to us, please. I'm throwing you a lifeline, please. Please, please, I'm stuck in your nostalgia hell, Ben. Uh huh. Let's get into your nostalgia hell because, ladies and gentlemen, we now present Sarah Pozorski's Final <laughs> Fantasy XIV Endwalker Corner. Take it away, That's Sarah. Not even my nostalgia hell. It came out <laughs> like two weeks ago. <laughs> Aren't you nostalgic for when you were playing it two hours ago? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. I am. So Endwalker finally released. Yeah. Um, it released a week ago in what they called early access, but if you just pre-ordered it, you would get in, and then it officially came out, um, I think last Friday was like the official release? It was kind of unclear, because you could just play it if you pre-ordered a week before it actually launched. Right. I haven't heard anybody um, talk about the game. I have just heard everybody complain I mean, about server queues. You have to, with the... With something like this, with Endwalker, with any kind of MMO expansion, it is so big. It is so massive. You are not going to finish it in just, like, sitting, like, unless you just only play Endwalker Story. You sit down, you can maybe get through it 10 hours of gaming a day in, right. like, a few days. But the issue that they're having right now is the server overload is insane. It took me... Four hours, four to five hours of waiting in their queue to get into the game. I was in a line of like 8,000 people. What? Waiting to get into the game. And they were also experiencing a lot of crashing with the queues. So you have to sit at your desk because if you get like a 2002 error and you don't immediately log back in, it'll close your game. And if you don't immediately log back in, you will be back at the end of the line. Is the... of trying to play right now is getting through the queue. That is the game in itself. They've made it a lot better though. They they did some changes, but the issue is that there's just too many people, not enough servers. They like the whole you know like the chip shortage, like all of that. They can't get new servers, oh, so we're all weird. stuck. Yeah, Square is really trying. It's a lose lose situation. The devs lose, the players lose. Um, it's kind of a cutthroat situation. Where the East Coast gets on first, Ooh. and then the Pacific people just can't get on. Ooh. Because you basically have to get on and stay on if right. you don't want to wait in another five-hour line. So, like, I'm actually sitting in queue right now. <laughs> I've been sitting in Final Fantasy queue since the start of this podcast. We understand if you have to go play at any moment here. Uh, um, but I'm not in yet. So you haven't even played yet? No. I'm, I've been waiting in queue since the podcast started. Oh, okay, for today. But you played in general. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I put okay. a ton of hours in. I put, like, all day Saturday in. I don't know, like, my little gaming gremlin sort of comes out for Final <laughs> Fantasy XIV. Uh-huh. Like, everybody has that one game will they, they will just throw away their life for. Right. <laughs> um, and mine is Final Fantasy XIV. Like, on Saturday, I got up at 10 a.m., logged into queue, got in at 11, and then played until 1 a.m. Wow. Like, everybody has their little gaming gremlin moments. Yeah. This is mine. Is it like a social thing? Final Fantasy fourteen. Well, yeah, the way that you play it. Are you playing with like a group of friends, or are you? Yeah, just- yeah. I I have friends who have been playing um for a while, and we play together, and we go through the main story quest together. We do the dungeons together, so it's hard to like sync up now with the queue times being what they are. You kind of have to plan ahead. Like, okay, I'll get on, and then in five hours we can play. Whenever I get in, we can play together. 
but yeah, a lot of it's it's suffering from its own popularity. Yeah. So if you're looking to play Final Fantasy fourteen, don't start now. I am begging you. My <laughs> queue times are already too long. Maybe wait a month. Right. Or more. I'm sorry. Then, I can't wait to get started. No, Leo, exactly. no, don't, don't. Seriously, don't. Stop. <laughs> I still need to play. Um, is it? Uh, they, is the community like? I know this is on a big, you know, goodwill trend, and it won several awards last night for like most beloved community game and best ongoing game and all this stuff. Is the community turning hard, or are they still patient for their beloved Final Fantasy XIV? I don't think the community. They're taking it in stride. Okay. Because, like I said, it's a lose-lose situation for everybody. Like, the devs obviously don't want this to happen. The community doesn't want it to happen. Um, everybody's just trying to, like, do their best. Like, people are mad, and, like, they can be mad. That's fine. It is a frustrating situation to be in when you have to wait eight hours to play a game that you paid for. Yeah. So you can experience the new content. Pay a and, like, subscription it's for. <laughs> yeah, that you pay $12 a month for. Um, they've actually stopped allowing free trial players to even queue. That's interesting. Just the congestion so bad. I mean, they're not paying. Right. They've unlimited play time and they're not paying. So like, get them back out of the here. line. <laughs> <laughs> Makes sense. Yeah. So is it good once you jump in? It's, I'd say it's good. I'm going to talk to you like you understand what Final Fantasy 14 is. I've, so I basically, here's, here's the thing. I, yeah. I sound like an idiot and I understand that. I have technically played you like play until level 25, right? Yeah, something like that. Yeah, I leveled up a character to level 37 in two days. So, yeah. I don't know. This was back in the day, so leveling uh -huh. up was hard. I played for like 20 hours or something. Like, I, I have some frame of reference for this thing, but I understand it. I'm so far beyond or behind everybody else that I don't even understand I mean, they've what done a lot of about. squishing. Yeah. So, when I played, I had to play through all of A Realm Reborn, which is gigantic. Right. Um, and they've since condensed it so players can get through it a lot faster. Which is great. Yeah. But um, with the Endwalker story, my personal feelings is that I don't know if it can beat Shadowbringers. Okay. Because to me, Shadowbringers was just so good. It was kind of, it could have been a standalone Final Fantasy game, in my opinion. Yeah. It was just a wonderful experience. It didn't follow the stories as much of um, Heavensward and like Stormblood. It's sort of, they sort of were like, here's a new story completely free of what happened in a realm reborn what happened in heavensward what happened in stormblood so i really enjoyed shadowbringers i yeah. thought it was amazing i thought i was like this is a final fantasy mmo yeah i mean and so Endwalker it, oh yeah is more of a return to stormblood where they're kind of wrapping up some of the world's you know politics like there's been you know, they're, like, wrapping up some of the bigger characters. We're, like, finalizing some big story arcs in it. And it's getting, like, weirdly dark. Ooh, okay. And I've also had, like, several Metal Gear Solid moments. Okay. Where they forced me to, like, Metal Gear Solid my way through something. Like stealth, or what does that mean? <laughs> I don't want to spoil it, but I play. I was playing it, and I was like, are they really just going to make me Metal Gear Solid this? Crawling through a microwave hallway? Both. <laughs> All of the above. Just gonna like, interesting. Okay. Nude. <laughs> so they're definitely um, pushing the limits. And I know people have said that N. Walker is like so great and amazing writing, but I'm only like 20 hours in. Right. Walker. So I'm, I haven't been to the moon yet and I'm mad about it because the whole marketing campaign was like, go to the moon. Right. And I'm like, I've been here for 20 hours. 
and I'm not on the moon yet. That is outrageous. Yeah, so somebody watching us live said that, like, oh, Final Fantasy XIV is just a big theme park for Final Fantasy fans of just Final Fantasy nostalgia. And even, like, going to the moon, yeah. it's like, hey, Final Fantasy IV fans, here we go, we're coming back. Yeah. It's just it's There's just that over and over. a lot of references, the bosses, the callbacks. Like, it's kind of, that's what it is. It sounds fun. I, Beetle Hornbest watching us live on YouTube, he, and I, he's not alone. He says it's the best RPG story ever, Final Fantasy XIV. Do you think that, Sarah? I think it's the best MMO story, RPG story ever. I don't, it's hard because it still suffers from what MMOs suffer from, which is like making you do fetch quests and like right. reading through a lot of text and like reading through even more text. And then, you know, it, it suffers from what MMOs suffer from. But yeah. as an MMO and for an MMO story, it is like very good, if not the best. Yeah. Okay. Here's a contentious question for you. Is this, um, this is, like, it should be debated for Game of the Year 2021, right? I'm trying to get far enough in the story. Right. But it's just it's just a masterpiece that they managed to create this MMO. They, re, they released it. It sucked. They nuked it. They released it again. Completely turned it around. Managed to release, like, amazing expansions. Mm-hmm. Like, and it's constant content is what this game presents you with. So, like, if you go, if you're like, oh, I can only buy one game ever in my entire life, I would be like, well, guess you have to buy Final Fantasy XIV because that's the only thing that's going to outlast time itself. (laughs) (laughs) So we'll see if you get far enough to really fight for it for being on the 210s list next week? Oh, I think it should be on the list. Okay. But how how I'm going to fight for it is another question. Right. Does Does it count as DLC? It's an expansion. Excuse me. Yeah, where, look. Where does that lie on your guys' scale? I, th- I think expansions can be included. And to be fair, Sarah, like, you know, I forget if we talked about this on the podcast or not, but, like, I think if there's DLC in the year that people are really passionate about, like you are for Outer Wilds DLC, which is clearly DLC, I think I think that deserves a spot on the list. You know, it's like, it's, we just have to go off passion. You know, if some DLC came out and it's like, yeah, it's I, honestly, Intergrade, like, I love Final Fantasy VII so much. I enjoyed my time with Intergrade. I don't know if I'm feeling this burning desire to be like, I will nuke this Patreon if Intergrade is not in our 210s list for the end of the year. You know, so I feel like that's the only thing we can go off of. Leo, do you have thoughts on that criteria for what counts for our Game of the Year debate? I think a outfit could count. A $2 outfit. If somebody had a really good argument for it and it really changed the game, I think that would count. And that's why you're fighting for Ghost Recon Breakpoint because those NFTs are really sweet? Yeah, my my NFT though. My helmet (laughs) with the specific serial number? Yep, yep. My best number. (laughs) Uh, Hey, let's get to the biggie. The big macho Johnny. Halo Infinite. Uh, sorry, Leo. I don't know. Can you do a segue? I don't know how to freaking do it. Halo no, Infinite. It's easy to throw stones. Thank you, ma'am. Um, Brian Vore, you've been playing this campaign? I sure did. And Leo Vader, you've yeah. been playing multiplayer? Have you touched the campaign yet? Yeah, I played the first, past the the title card at least. Oh. Into the second mission. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Okay, I have not uh, touched the Halo Infinite campaign yet because I'm saving everything for the deepest dive. We are creating the best, most thorough discussion about Halo Infinite on the internet, and we need your input, everybody. So you can join the deepest dive by supporting us on Patreon at the $2 tier, and you can submit a comment for us to read about the opening section of the game up until the Pelican crashes. 
otherwise known as the 2020 gameplay demo. Right when that starts, that's your stopping point, everybody. And you can unlock the podcast version of The Deepest Dive for a big discussion where we're going to have Kyle Hillard, Cyril Vasquez, Wade Wojcik, uh, by supporting us on Patreon as well. Okay, The Deepest Dive. Please join us for that. Brian Vore, Halo extraordinaire, man. I mean, you've been covering Halo back at Game Informer. I mean, did you cover like Halo 2 back at Game Informer? You were around there for so long? Yeah, not quite that old. Okay. But uh, I did review Halo 3 um, at at Bungie. Oh, wow. That was probably one of my best review trips because I re- reviewed that. And I think, I can't remember which was which, but like for a few days at their studio. And then uh, we went, you know, across town and reviewed the orange box all in one mean one trip me and uh ben reeves did that that is ridiculous okay so long history with halo uh what do you think about well first of all how far are you in halo infinite here i just made it a titch past your deepest dive cutoff point Ooh, how long did that take you you know it took me probably at least five i don't know if there's a an hour counter on there but okay um i want to say at least five and that's because I definitely went all in on like searching around and trying to get do bases and you know get some of the icons on the maps before I went too far and like jumped into the next story thing. Right, right. Uh, and Halo Infinite is. <laughs> he said good, ladies and gentlemen. The mic <laughs> cut out, but I think he said good. Leo, oh, do you no. concur? Yeah, it seems good so far. I was a little worried about, you know, going from multiplayer where you have five grapples with the grapple hook and then it's gone how yeah. that would play really. But you instead, it's just one infinite one that just has a slightly longer cooldown, I guess. But it's really fun to use in that campaign. I should have it's called like, it infinite grapples. True. <laughs> it's you're grappling like weapons off the ground when you run out of ammo. And you can grapple those fusion cores to you and then throw the fusion cores and blow up the guys. By the way, they put those fusion cells everywhere. Those big (laughs) rectangular glowing things that cause these huge explosions and feel great to throw. They know how fun they are to use. And so they give you a million of them everywhere. And it's very satisfying. I know Halo's already, it's always had like kind of a tongue in cheek sensibility, even like going back to the, you know, grunt VO and stuff like that. But I feel like this is the silliest Halo in a long time just feels like the wacky stuff people are up to. And I don't know if that's a matter of the open world hijinks, the physics or what, but is that a right read Brian for as a connoisseur of the series? Yeah, I feel like just like with breath of the wild, where you could kind of get up to all kinds of hijinks in that big open world. Um, I think the most famous Halo infinite video right now is the dude who like got hit by the, the hammer and then, grappled onto a warthog that was flying through the air and slingshotted himself like miles and miles through the sky and landed on top of a ta- like the highest tower in the game or something. That's amazing. It was, it was an, an incredible move. Um, but yeah, directly out of the gate, you're, you're fighting grunts and they are, they have cute little Muppet voices saying like weird stuff. Like there are so many lines of dialogue in this game and it's all like, it's all kooky, kooky, kooky business, <laughs> some funny stuff. And it's all like, you know, there's stuff like later on, like I was like, I thought I would be hearing re- repeated stuff throughout the whole game. But yeah. later on, they're like, you're mad at it because we got your blue girlfriend. And, you know, like 
why don't you ever show your face, you big weirdo? You know, like <laughs> just like fun, taunty stuff that is is good for the fans of the series. Oh, that's perfect. Yeah. As somebody who's not the biggest Halo head, who has some nostalgia for it, but doesn't like remember the campaign super well or anything, it was a bit of a uh, surprise, a bit of surprise memory going like, oh yeah, I guess there are just kind of toddlers you're killing and they scream <laughs> at you <laughs> in their little baby voices a lot. That's kind of a staple of the series I forgot about. Yeah, good game. And Sarah, you gotta play this thing, man. I am horrified (laughs) halo has like forever been like an enigma to me right as a game that as a kid i was like well if i wanted to be a cool gamer or a real gamer i would play halo and then i looked at it and i was like green man goes to space like i don't quite understand what's going on here but then i talked to people about it and they're like oh no we don't know what's going on either yeah and I was like, oh. Yeah, the thing is, Green Man goes to space, but it feels really good when he does it. That's really all we're going off of here, by and large, I think, for the Halo fan base. If I may be so bold. <laughs> like, it's always surprising, because like I've only finished Halo Combat Evolved, but I know this isn't the best barometer, but I thought it was funny, like, you know, Dan Reichert, I was talking to him while we were playing multiplayer Halo Infinite, and he has played every one, and he insists he has no idea what is happening in the lore of Halo. He insists you cannot explain to you what a halo is. I was like, but again, that's Dan Riker. I can't, I can't hold the entire community up to that stupid standard. Yeah, I mean that that tracks. He's very much about like uh, not knowing something is kind of his brand, right? <laughs> that's his sweet brand. He's, he's a, simultaneously an expert and you know, not just like totally clueless. You know, that's that's kind of his brand, right? That's I, strive, his brand. I strive for that. Yeah, we should. It's really a life goal situation. But we don't need to talk about Dan Reichert and what he knows and doesn't know. But yeah, I mean, Brian, the open world stuff, does it feel like it's shaking it up? Are you enthralled? Yeah, I, I, I do like they started off. They're not they're not they're not going to scare you. Uh, they started Thank off you. very much in like space corridors just to be like, OK, hey, guys, this is Halo. Right. Don't be scared. And then obviously at a certain point you get to a point where like, aha, and here is the world go play. And it's, it's fun to kind of have this big playground. I feel like in a lot of ways, this is the promise of, you know, some of the, the early like halo levels in the, in the first, uh, halo game where yeah. it's like, here's a giant ring, go play and just go, just go completely nuts. We're not going to like have a big playground and then force it down into thing. You know, like it's, a wide halo ring you can just just run around as you will you've got all the great you know vehicles and toys and guns to play with yeah and uh i think the grapple is a great um a great addition and very crucial in getting around this world cuz they they're not afraid to put some freaking huge hills and mountains in and uh i think it's it's more of a fun cuz like leo said it's it's integrated into combat and it's also very important for traversal. Much more interesting, I think, than just having like a jump jet or a double jump, you know? And right, right. Yeah, I'm looking forward to, to diving in. But yeah, Leo, haven't you been streaming the multiplayer too? Are you having a good time with that? Multiplayer is awesome. Okay. Like, I didn't know if I would really touch the campaign and I'll s- before the end of the year, but I'll still be pushing for like the multiplayer as one of the best things of the year. Ooh, okay, awesome. Like, do you think you're going to stick with the campaign? Um, I think so. So slowly but surely, I feel like I have a lot of games I want to try to get to before end of the year, and Halo is almost the most I know what I'm getting. 
Right. Versus like, I really want to start Psychonauts 2 and see what's going on there. Yes, you absolutely should for sure. Well, hey, it, Halo- sh- it should be noted there are a lot of uh, multiplayer cosmetics sprinkled throughout the game, like the campaign world, to kind of oh. entice you guys to come on over and check it out. Interesting. Well, yeah, we'll be talking, um, I'd argue, for way too long about Halo Infinite uh, with the deepest dive on MinMax's YouTube channel. Please check it out, or you can unlock the podcast version. We'd appreciate the support if you enjoy that game club format. Should be a good time. I'm very curious to here, Wade Wojcik in particular, as a Halo nut, somebody who has made a Halo short film that has millions of views on YouTube, like, just unload on this game. Because he was texting me, he said, be warned, I have a lot to say. It's like, hey, that, that's the point of the deepest dive, is to celebrate this and give the game the discussion it deserves. Uh, Don't forget to ask him about the Halo TV show. Like, Oh, yeah, yeah, that was during the Game Awards as well. Yeah, that big Is he deal. mad that he's not involved with it? And things like that. Yep, yep, <laughs> he seems furious. Um, hey, Leo, do you know how this whole thing operates? I keep thinking I'm going to figure it out next time. I right. got to remember to look it up before I go back on the show because it's so embarrassing when Hanson asks me and I never know. Here's a little hint. It goes P, it goes A, it goes T, it goes R, it goes E, it goes O, it goes N, it goes dot, slash, whatever. MinMax, everybody, with two N's. <laughs> Patreon, we're crowdfunded. Thank you for supporting the show if you enjoy the show. And thank you to some of our biggest supporters. I'm talking about folks like Brian and Nick. Brian and Nick here with Diverge Coffee. They say... Uh, we want to sincerely thank all the MinMaxers that have given us a shot and supported us by trying our coffee. You've made our first advertising venture such a success that we're able to continue supporting MinMax. Thank you. With the holidays, we wanted to do a bit extra. If you add a note to your order for Diverge Coffee and tell us that it's a gift, we will festively wrap your order and put any personalized note of your choosing inside the box. Then your friends and family can open the objectively best gift on Christmas morning, fresh coffee. Whether you're buying a gift or buying for yourself, don't forget to use the code MINMAX2ENDS at checkout at Diverge Coffee to get 15% off of your order. Have a Merry Christmas from Brian and Nick at Diverge Coffee. Isn't that sweet? I love plugging coffee on the podcast. Also, thank you to our friends at Fixture Gaming. They want everybody to know about the Fixture S1, which is a clip that you put on your Nintendo Switch Pro controller, and you can slide the screen into that so you can play with the best Nintendo Switch controller on the go. The Fixture S1, everybody, look it up and you'll say, ah, that seems handy. I think I'd like to own that. You can uh, over on Amazon. There is a link below if you want to check out the Fixture S1. It is $35. There's also a bundle for a carrying case. You can check that out as well and the hall of famers of course thank you to our dear friends at i am 8-bit they want everybody to know about turnip boy commits tax evasion the vinyl soundtrack uh it has a colored vinyl art uh the album art is by nicole gustafson the music's by james courier and ryan barbone it includes the digital download as well sarah you played turnip boy commits tax evasion right I did. It's a very cute game. Well, there we go. With a great soundtrack. So now you can own it thanks to iMateBit. Also, if you go to iMateBit's wonderful online store, you can still get stuff in time for Christmas, everybody. And if you use the promo code TurboTime, TurboTime, no space. One more time, TurboTime. You get 10% off of everything under $100. And you should help thank those fine folks at iMateBit because they've been wonderful supporters of MinMax and MinMax's community by doing things like this. This is... Look, they're just generous. They're just feeling generous. They are giving away a prize each and every week to the MinMax community. Whoever has the best question submitted over on Patreon, if you support us on Patreon at any tier, you are eligible for submitting a question. Then we're going to choose number one favorite question. That person wins a prize. And this week, it is the Muppets Christmas Carol 
vinyl soundtrack from I Am 8 Bit. Like, wouldn't oh. that be a cool thing to have wow. sitting around by the tree? So thank you to I Am 8 Bit uh, for shipping one of those out to whoever has the best questions. So um, everybody really super duper look alive uh, for these questions because this is a very good one. It's a Christmas miracle one. Uh, Christopher Castillo says, Howdy, Minmax. Every year for over half a decade, I've been telling my friends that this is the year that they announced Ken Levine's next game at the Game Awards. I also never miss the opportunity to claim how it has to be the year they announce the next Bioshock. And so far, I'm zero for six. This year, though, I'm feeling extra confident. Uh, I'm sorry. Uh, what about you? Is there a game you've been sure is going to be announced, but then isn't year after year? Um, yeah, I've been screaming about how they're probably going to make Super Mario Odyssey 2 in the same way they made Galaxy 2 for uh, about four years now, and uh, I'm starting to think that's not going to happen. <laughs> Don't tell Kyle, though, because I think we had a bet on it. I don't know, any other long games that everybody's expecting every single announcement opportunity i keep thinking they're finally gonna announce um the sims 5 because we've been sitting on the sims 4 and it wasn't well received the sims 3 is like known to be better than the sims 4 yeah um and we've been sitting on the sims 4 for like eight years now really yeah and the distance between sims 3 and sims 4 was five years i looked it up because I had to just do like a sanity check. Right. And I'm like, where? Not that I'm, you know, not that I'm going to stop paying for the Sims 4 expansion packs because I'm part of the problem. Right. But where is the Sims 5? Are we working on it? Like, are because they're just adding more and more things to the Sims 4. So I'm like, are they just not going to make it at all? And they're just going to keep adding things to the Sims 4 until it eventually becomes just the Sims 5? Just change the name. Yeah, I mean. It's weird. It's getting weird. Do you... Really, look, I like The Sims. Yeah. I haven't played since the first one <laughs> in a big way. Yeah. Um, which also came out, oh, I was going to say 1999, but I think it's 2000 for the original Sims. So good stuff yeah, can come the, from I the past. I played the original Sims. Right. It was a good era, you know, playing The Sims, watching The Matrix on DVD. That was peak living, Sarah. But the point is, like, do they need to make a new Sims? It almost feels just like the ultimate living game, living room game. That, that's right. what it seems like, because they keep adding things yeah. to The Sims 4, like little tweaks here, little quality of life changes here. But they're not bringing back the open world map from The Sims 3 that made it so much better. Mm. We're back to the rabbit hole situation where it's like you can see the outsides of buildings, but you can't go in. Okay. So that's just where I think a lot, a lot of the community is sitting, and it's it's weird because we used to get them pretty, you know, The Sims Four, The Sims. Then it's like, are we just not? Yeah, I doing mean, that ten Aaron, years? How long do I have to wait? Yeah, Aaron T in the chat here watching us live. He says, I could just see him relaunching the next one, just calling it The Sims. Yeah, mm -hmm. or just doing like a big update for Sims Four and just renaming it The Sims. I mean, honestly, that would be cool. It feels like we're just about there. Uh, Victor Fam writes in. He says, "Hey." Uh, he says, hey, is Halo Infinite going to be overshadowed at the Game Awards next year with all the major releases set for 2022? Yes, it is. Yeah. We'll all insist that, no, 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 we'll remember. And, like, I'm sure the multiplayer will have some legs still going into the, you know, early December of 2022. But absolutely, it's going to get hurt from that release window. Right? Yeah, with, you're, you're right. It's just, like, it maybe if it, if it does really well on multiplayer, it might be getting that multiplayer or living game award. Right. But as far as, like campaign or just like best shooter or best action like yeah it's it's gonna get plowed right i think so yeah which brings up john richards's question over on patreon he says after last year's fierce debate over game of the year protocol and 12 months of reflection i'm curious if anyone's gonna fight for cyberpunk to make this year's two tens at min max 
I was wondering about that as well. I am still angry about that because I was pushing so hard for let's just judge it now because it's going to feel stupid to be talking about cyberpunk in 2021. And Leo, you said nay. I say I said and I say if it deserved it, we would remember it and it didn't Mm -hmm. and we won't. Nice words. Uh, Look, I felt like I enjoyed playing cyberpunk the least out of that entire deepest dive. But even I feel like it is worth talking about. It is not the. We'll talk about it. You can okay. talk about it. Leo, it I, won't get on the two tens. You enjoyed playing Cyberpunk, right? Am I nuts? I enjoyed it fine. Okay. I thought you were a little more hot on it. I'm going to go back and check that Deepest Dive tape, Leo, because I think you were like salivating throughout most of it. You're so excited. I think I was hottest in the middle portion, if I remember correctly. And then okay. by the end, I was disappointed in some things. And certainly I've played 20 games I like more than it since then. <sighs> yeah. There's, I don't know if I'll be pushing forward for the two tens. I do think it's, weirdly underrated in this industry even like friend of the show grant he just picked it up and he's playing it on ps4 like the ps4 version because it was ten dollars of black friday and he's like oh, i'm having a good time with it seems totally fine i got the ten dollar thing the other day and i'm just kind of sitting on it until that 2022 right you know i think that's the smart way to go up, wait for the upgrade comes by i guess yeah the ps5 patch but uh yeah there's there's I will be pushing for Cyberpunk for one of the awards on next week's episode of the podcast. You figure out what it is at home. Look forward to I'm that, I'm very Sarah. interested to have that conversation. Okay. I'd All right. Definitely should be, should be allowed. Yeah, great. Uh, David W. writes in and says, This time of year, I always struggle with buying gifts for those important or required in my life. <laughs> important or required. How the heck do you find a perfect gift for someone? Well, I usually have to be around them thanksgiving is a great time to like yes. if you're visiting with family or friends you don't really see very much like do a little recon keep those ears open smart um i don't think my parents are going to be listening to this podcast um but they were making a turkey in the oven they kept having to open it and check the temperature so i got them a, a fancy thermometer you just leave in in the uh, oven and it goes so out and sits on the counter and once it hits the right temperature that you've decided, it does a little alarm. And, so, and that's a good gift because, like, you know, if you're eating Thanksgiving with them in the future, you will always see them use it and be delighted by it. Like, every year is just a reminder of, like, oh, look at this great Brian gift. I love you so much. He's my favorite son. Yeah, just a lot of those uh, <laughs> quips. Uh, yeah. yeah, I think a big gift tip for me, number one gift tip, is take notes throughout the year. Just have a mm. note in your phone because it is such a relief. I've been doing it for years and it is so nice around this time of year. I just open up my phone and I don't even remember this person saying this or why. I'm like, oh, I guess I have a list of books that my mom said she was interested in checking out or like here's something for a friend. I don't even remember them saying, but now I got to buy them this gift. It's it's an easy thing to do and I'm surprised more people don't do it. So gift notes, everybody. Year round, right in the phone. Giving gifts is so hard. Yeah. I hate it. It caused me the most anxiety of any holiday for sure. Did you get one for your girlfriend yet? No. I have some plans. But I try to be like, I'm not even going to think about it till December because it stresses me out so much. So I'm going to limit it to this one month. Right. So that's kind of the opposite of the forward thinking, note taking strategy. <laughs> Just stretch out the stress throughout the year, I think. Yeah. Right. My family um, is at a point where they're stressing, please don't get gifts for everybody. It's way too expensive. It's stupid. 
we don't spend that much time with each other anyway to really know what we want. <laughs> like, just get gifts for the kids, the nephews, and, and call it good. And I've been, like, the champion now for years. I'm like, no! Gifts for everybody. Christmas is good. Christmas is fun. Um, let's never grow old. Let's never die. Normal chance to your family. Um, but then I just... I. Last week, I started buying all those gifts, and I really had that moment of like, this is way too much money. It, this is stupid crap. I don't need to be spending hundreds of dollars. It's so much. <laughs> mm -hmm. my, my, the, my dad's side of the family for the first time this year, it's like we're doing everybody bring one $25 thing, mm. and then we'll roll dice, and if you get doubles, you can trade yours with someone else's. Smart. Smart. And I'm okay. way, that's a huge load off my mind for sure. Yeah. Uh, Paradise Inc. Uh, writes in over on Patreon and says, Hey, cohorts, first time asking a question. Love the show. Thank you. Uh, in the wake of the holiday season, what are some of your favorite holiday-themed levels from your past? And if you can't think of any specifically, what are your favorite games to return to around the festive season? My wife and I have a tradition to play through Super Mario 3 the past few years, and it warms my heart to make such great memories with her playing my favorite game. Season's greetings from Daryl and Betsy Croto. Thanks, Daryl and Betsy. Season's greetings. Mario says hi. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Mario, th or, yeah, not Mario theme, but just holiday theme levels. I don't know about Wait. holiday theme, oh, go ahead. but I have like a warm spot in my heart for any winter themed level. I yeah. find that the music of winter themed levels are always like peak music. Like, give me the jingle bells. Yes. Give me the jingle. But they always, you know, they're played with like ice. And freezing, which makes them less fun. But, like, mm. the music for any kind of winter level is usually very good. Yeah, you're right. There needs to be a holiday-themed game that's set in, like, Hawaii. So we get, like, the lights and colors and jingle bell music, but no slippery ice crap. Well, you know the best ice is... Uh, the Astros Playroom winter oh, level. Oh, mm -hmm. yeah. The feeling of the ice skating in the dual shock is indescribably accurate yeah <laughs> i've had to just fire that up and hold give the controller to people like here just skate around the ice isn't this weird <laughs> i remember that i remember that and i feel like as somebody from the midwest i do ha i'm very like picky about how snow is portrayed in video right, games right like sometimes they don't get the crunch right Mm -hmm. of the snow and like sometimes the footprints aren't really working out well so i really appreciate a game that can just make good snow because you can tell what temperature it is based on how the snow crunches hmm. and i that's very important to me yeah you're right the hey. last of us two had great snow excellent mm -hmm. snow it did too mm -hmm. uh, um if i had to go with my favorite holiday themed episode or level it would probably be the opening to Batman Returns for Super Nintendo. Hell yeah. Beating up guys. Not only can you headbutt dudes, grab dudes and headbutt them, but you can grab two dudes and smash both their heads together. That's revolutionary in the brawler genre. That's Christmas, baby. <laughs> and then you get a... Uh, yeah, it's winter time. Uh, you get another level where you're just kind of like, you can throw like endless batarangs, and they can even do the thing from the that early scene in the movie where you get to actually shoot the grapple gun in the wall behind the guy who's got uh, Selena Kyle, and you can pull it and smash him in the back of the head, just like in the movie. Simple pleasures, man. No doubt about it. Simple pleasures. We like it. So For good. me, I, I can't imagine. I don't think anyone's even tried as hard as they did with the Hitman Holiday Hoarders level. That's finally getting added to Hitman 3 this month. 
which is the the targets you're supposed to or can kill are the guys from Home Alone. Oh, that's right. The wet bandits. But not only that, Santa Claus is there and he's teleporting around this Christmas themed version. Are you trying to kill him or just find him? You're just trying to find him. And then, of course, what are you going to do but kill him and take his outfit? That's and then fun. you can play a Santa in any of the game's many rich levels. <laughs> that is excellent. That's, that's really it. untouchable. The true yeah. meaning of Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> that's what Santa Claus was about, the Tim Allen movie. He was the first hitman of Santa, really, and then he became Santa. Exactly. Uh, Mars Barrow says, hey, Ben and friends. You bet. Uh, he, he spelled it with two N's. Oh, I see now because of MinMax. I got you, Mars. Uh, what distracts you more from focusing on a task? Hunger? Or being really cold? Cold. Oh, great question. I think it's cold. I, hmm. Hunger, it almost like motivates you in a weird way. You know, it's it's nice to feel scrappy and hungry, metaphorically. Whereas cold, you're just always uncomfortable. It's, it's, you want to just. Definitely cold, all I can think about is, God, I'm so cold right now. This is horrible. Hunger, mm-hmm. I can occasionally be distracted from. Yeah, I guess I would say cold too. Yeah, agreed. I okay. think with, with hunger, it kind of can reset. Like you're hungry long enough that your stomach just is like, fine, I'll stop asking. Right. right. You, get, you get another shot. But do you think, like, um, you know, people on the Oregon Trail and stuff, do you think their cold ever reset? Or do you think they were just constantly cold and miserable that entire time? Are you talking about specifically like uh, the the party that got lost in the snow? I'm asking they ate each other. Yeah, I'm asking if the Donner party so was ever hold, happy. They got cold and hungry, and then they ate each other. Right. So I the guess, answer for them would be both. And they were pretty focused on that task of eating their parents or whatever. So you know, maybe there's a flaw in this question. Uh, Mason Cowell writes in and says, "Happy holidays, Min Maxers. Simple question today: What, in your opinion, is the best?" controlling slash most satisfying vehicle to control in games hands down i would say the seamoth the tiny sub in subnautica i will load up my finished save just to glide and spin along the ocean floor several times a year i love that choice yeah best vehicle most satisfying vehicle i was really surprised that people complained about the outer wilds's ship Mm. I thought it was so fun and satisfying to get a good landing. There's a complicated learning curve to it and like playing with the gravity. See, the I planets. didn't even I try. Okay. I just said a Hail Mary and I crashed into the planet. <laughs> and if you die, you just do it again. And right? maybe you won't die this time. So I don't get why people complain about it either. Like, <laughs> I don't know. Go for it. Mm-hmm. That's smart. That's smart. I think uh, maybe it's the... The speeder in I, I play a lot of Destiny One, so I Ooh. really like the speeder in that. Simply because of it's just you can grab you can grab it anywhere. You can whip like you don't have to like summon it, have it dropped in. Right. You don't have to like find it in the environment. It's like, hey, I'm going slow and now I want to go fast, and you can just materialize and just scoot scoot ahead, and it's great. That's a really I, good once choice. Once you're shooting it, once you're playing it, I I, I don't know if it's like the best you know, most perfect vehicle controls ever created, but it just the convenience factor wins it for me. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good one. God, I'm really stumped on this. I know, it's like the Warthog is so weird, but I'm, yeah. I'm used to driving it now, but it definitely was a learning curve when I first started driving back in Halo 1. I'm like, what is this? Uh, I don't know. That's tough. Uh, Joe Kafchinski writes in, he says, Halo 5 was hammered for moving local co-op. Now Halo Infinite is launching with no co-op of any kind for at least six months, and the response seems kind of like a collective meh. 
What's the deal here? Is co-op dead? Are people just so happy to get a decent halo they aren't gonna look a gift horse in the mouth? Um, there you go, Sarah. Hot horse reference for you. Do any of you see yourselves actually going back to the game six months from now to play through it in co-op? Um, honestly, I think it just... Honestly, honestly, I think it shows how far our standards have fallen in regards yeah. to co-op. Yeah. We... we no, nobody's doing it anymore. But yes, I will go back in six months to play in co-op. Really? You're a big co-op yeah. Halo guy? Yeah, and I love playing stuff co-op with my girlfriend. She played co-op Halos with her brother in the past, and maybe I can be her brother in the future. <laughs> Fingers crossed, buddy. <laughs> I think you're totally right. Like, there's also something, just a larger conversation about the Halo franchise. It's so fascinating to me that maybe it's just because, you know, I was doing coverage for Halo 4 at Game Informer, but Ryan, you remember how much people were up in arms for Halo 4 and Halo 5 for like sprinting, aim down sights. It was very much like you've destroyed Halo forever. It's dead. Screw you. And now I haven't really seen that discussion at all with Halo Infinite. It seems like by and large Halo fans are like, yep, this is good. This is the Halo we wanted. It's like, it's the one they were inching towards before and everybody lit themselves on fire. Yeah, I, I think with, okay, here's, here's a couple things with this question. Yeah. Uh, Master Chief Collection came out. Lots of problems. Yeah. Lots of complaining. Justified. Uh, but I think 343 has shown their extreme commitment to Halo uh, with the improvements that they continue to put out today to try to like make it as much as the best collection, best version yeah. of those games they possibly can. Uh, and I think people are like, well, you know, they're good for it. I, it's either this or we wait another year of not being able to play the campaign just so they can get co-op just right i think people are willing to take that trade-off and once you get into it too i'm trying to think of you know how co-op was work with everyone starting from zero because like does just the fire team captain are you the only one that makes character progress and levels up and stuff like who's if they have like if you're all playing different games and like my character has this base unlocked and my character has this base unlocked. Like how does progress work in that respect? Um, or are you just kind of like a guest and you're helping your buddy out and they get all the progress? Like there's a lot of, a lot of confusing questions, mm. but the big thing I would, I would love to see with co-op is like, however they manage to square it away is like everybody like jumping in different vehicles and like, all right, we're all taking this base and like coming at it from different angles. Just like, it's going to be an awesome time. Yeah. And I can't wait for it, but I'm also like, you know what? I usually love to try to just take them all down co-op style out of the gate, but I, I kind of appreciate playing this and just like appreciating it as a single player experience right now. And just like learning the world and how it all works. And then kind of come back with a bunch of buddies whenever that time comes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Taylor C asks, how do you navigate the discussion of what your job is during the holidays? Do you have to over explain it? Does grandma understand what you do? Does your uncle think you spend your days in a dark room alone? That's kind of what we yes. do actually. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, um, you know, making video game videos for so long, my parents and grandparents, you know, mostly grandparents would be like, Hey, I don't know what you're talking about, but I think it looks like you're having fun and you seem good at it. <laughs> and I thought when I made videos about, you know, everyday topics that we all can relate to. Right. That dynamic would maybe change, but no, they're still like, I don't understand a word you're saying. 
about what a movie is. <laughs> but you seem to be having fun. <laughs> But it doesn't take much explaining, honestly, because I, I mean, I could get in the specifics about it, but it's like, yeah, I make videos. My p mom sends you them. <laughs> <laughs> Does she really send like her favorites or she just blast out all of them? She sends her favorites. Really? That's really sweet. I, yeah, I appreciate it. Uh, yeah. Brian Vore wowed me by rounding up the analytics for like our video on Sunset Riders. And it's like, our Facebook views were off the charts. And it turns out because my sisters both shared it on Facebook. I was like, that's very Aww. sweet. It's a very sweet thing. Somebody actually did something on Facebook with MinMax. It was really, it was spiking like crazy. Yeah. Do you think that's probably your sisters? Like, like the only time they've, have they commented on any of your stuff ever before? Mm, I don't think so. Maybe I'll get like a like on Instagram if it's like my face or something from one of my sisters. But uh, my oldest sister, like she just got on Facebook and it, tell me if this is absurd. She's a, she's a waitress, um, up at uh, Fitker's brew house in Duluth. Swing on by. Um, and she was talking the other day about how she, if she really likes somebody that she's getting food from, she'll ask if she can add them on Facebook. <laughs> I was like, that seems bizarre. Like I would have to have some bond with a waiter for them to pull that off and for me to go along with it. But maybe, you know, Facebook's fresh in her mind. She finally jumped in. So it's still like that exciting 2005 era Facebook for her or something. I don't know. It really weirded me out, though. It's a little weird. Yeah. It's a little bizarre. Especially because nobody really uses Facebook anymore. Right, right. Well, she's cornering the market. Yeah, she's a... She's Single-handedly. Big meta fan. She's keeping Facebook in business. Mm-hmm. How's your family with the game and stuff, Sarah? Oh, it's weird. It's always been weird. Um, mostly because none of my family has ever worked in, like, corporate America. Mm. It's like a bunch of doctors and shit. Yeah. So the idea of, like, sitting at a desk all day to them is so bizarre. And I recently was explaining to my uncle, who was a professor at the University of Madison for, like, veterinary sciences. Yeah. He was like, what do you do all day, Sarah? And I'm like... <laughs> I send emails. I send emails. Um, but my parents, like, don't really... They don't really understand, like, the streaming aspect of it. Right. And I don't think they like to think about it. The idea like that, like... It. No, the idea that, like, people want to watch you play games on the internet to them is, like, something that they don't understand. They're like, why would they want to watch you play games? I'm like, I don't know how to tell you this, Mom. But I'm pretty entertaining. <laughs> I like to think so. <laughs> but yeah, it didn't become real for my parents that I worked in video games until they went to Target and saw a game that I had worked on on the shelf. Mm. And that was like, that was the moment for them was when like a game that I had worked on, like they could see it on the shelf and they were really cute about it. They were like, that's Sarah's game. Which game was it? I, I can't talk about it, but like every what? every <laughs> other I'm ended NDA, but like every other thing that I ever did in my entire life, they've never really picked up on. Yeah. Until a video game got on the shelf and they were like so they were like, We're so proud of you, Sarah. We saw your game at Target. And I'm like, Cool. I've had other games, <laughs> but I'm glad you saw that one at Target. Yeah. Uh have you even tried to play Xenoblade Chronicles X, Mommy and Daddy? Come on. I mean it's yeah, it's yeah, the Japanese games they definitely didn't get. <laughs> right, right. Uh Ricky Winterborn writes in and he has a very simple question. Do y'all prefer smart people movies or dumb fun movies? 
<laughs> if, if you had like to choose, it. you can't say both, Brian. I'll head you off at the pass. You can't choose one or the other. I mean, you have to, though. I don't know. The Venom Let There Be Carnage is the pinnacle of cinematic entertainment. <laughs> you are so. out of your mind. <laughs> Absolutely out of your mind. Uh, if I had to pick, I think what I like those do? smart people movies. I think I'll go that. I'm a really smart guy. Mm-hmm. Thanks, Sarah. Okay, so you're not allowed to watch the new MacGruber television series. No! Yeah, take TV. <laughs> I want really smart movies and I want really dumb TV. That has to be the fusion. Yeah. I need to watch right. Green Knight and then uh, House Hunters. That's, that's the combo I'm looking for here in my life. I feel like we would all say if we had to choose smart people movies, but we all end up watching a lot of No, I would say dumb people movies. movies. Okay. I don't want to sit down for four hours and be confronted with like some what do you consider smart people like i don't want to have to sit down for four hours and then cry at the end because i've been confronted with some tough reality of life right. through a movie that they paid millions of dollars for i would i want to sit there and i just want to not think for four hours i have the best movie for you it's just stupid it's not the matrix it's the matrix <laughs> it's silly there's a joke every minute it is rapid fire goof there's whoopee cushions you'll love it sarah Run, don't walk to nearest theater and watch The Matrix. Uh, Adam Cohen writes in and says, Hey, Christmas-loving cohorts and or Hanukkah-loving cohorts. We love them all, baby. Uh, a lot has been made about all the scalpers preventing people from buying next-gen systems, and rightfully so. But what I think isn't getting talked about enough is that retailers are taking advantage of the situation. Best Buy often requires a $200 total tech membership to buy PS5s. Walmart often requires a premium membership to buy, and GameStop sells almost exclusively in bundles, which, which makes you buy games, an extra controller, and a headset. Seems pretty crappy to me. Thoughts? Can't expect companies to do nice things in capitalism just because they feel like it and are, in, are incentivized to do the opposite, but will just do nice things because they love gamers. It's not going to happen. It's not the company's fault. It's everyone's fault. Yeah. <laughs> It's yeah, I hear you. It's they're in a tricky spot, okay? Because they have these memberships, and if I was paying a two hundred dollar Best Buy thing, I'd be like, "What advantage do I get out of this?" Right? You know, like make it worth it for me. Oh, I get a a better shot than the Joe Blow out there to purchase a hot new gaming system that is impossible to find anywhere. I guess I I see that angle. Um, I can't. I couldn't justify it for myself and I can't justify spending like 800 to a thousand dollars on some kind of Costco or Bull. GameStop bundle Bull. just, just cause I want, it's like, ah, you know, I have to get these two or three games that I don't want to play or like these weird charging accessories, you know, I, uh, yeah, I, I don't, I don't like it, but I, I totally get why they do it and you know, why they feel the need to. And, Going back to it, if there was a, a better supply of PS5s and Xbox Series Xs, you wouldn't see any of this crap. It would just be on the store shelves. And you could walk up and buy it. So, yeah, what do you think? 2023, do you think we will hit the point where if somebody wants a PS5, they can walk up and buy it? I hope so. I bet Please. not, though. But I think the backup is just getting worse and worse. Yeah. For the shortages. Um, I had this woman come up to me and randomly start talking to me. I didn't even tell her that I was in gaming. But she was like, oh, like, my kids this year want all that gaming crap. And I was just like, ma'am. 
Anyways, and then she's like, I think I'm going to get him that PS5. And I'm like, oh, I don't know no. how to tell you. And I, my heart goes out to those people who just still think you can go to the store and pick up a PS5. Right, right. Like, my heart goes out to her and my heart goes out to, you know, the kids that she's like, she's like, oh, I don't want to buy that crap. It's too much money, but they really want it. So I'm going to get it for them. And I'm just like, ma'am. Like, I was going to, a part of me was like, do I just give her, like, my PS5? Because, like, I'm not really using it that much anymore. Ooh. Like, literally, I haven't turned this thing on in months. Ooh. Uh-oh, don't say that on yeah. this podcast. Yeah, I mean, like. <laughs> Sarah, don't say what, it. What would I play? What would I play on it? The, the world is screaming Returnal. They're chanting in unison, Returnal, Returnal. That is really what? the nice thing. That then the, the Matrix that Tech is demo. doing is Sony is refusing to put out games because people can't play them. Right. Yeah, it's very generous of them. Yeah. Uh, and Attack Corgi writes in and says, "The last show you watched? Oh, this is interesting. Um, this happened. Uh, the last show you, <clears throat> the last TV show you watched has a crossover episode with the last video game you played. What is it? Mine would be Red Dead Redemption 2 crossed over with Modern Family, and I'm honestly sold. You played Red Dead Redemption 2 recently? No, this is an Attack Corgi. Sorry, I was quoting Oh, okay, an Attack I was Corgi. like, you're still going at it. Wow. Yeah, I snuck over to Jeffem's house, um, and I just held up a monitor to the window just to try and make <laughs> him look at that games campaign. Um, yeah, anybody got a good option for this crossover from hell? I'm not going to expose myself like that. You must. You no. must. What? Is it an embarrassing show? No, I mean, it's like I just finished Hulu's The Great, which is just follows Catherine the Great. That's a smart person so, show, right? No. Oh. No. Oh. <laughs> okay. It would be The Great with Final Fantasy with Ed Walker. 14. Ed yeah. Walker, yeah. So I don't know like what that would change in there. Yeah, it does kind of feel like the story of Catherine the Great already, I assume. Somewhere in there. It'd be, it'd be the story of Catherine the Great, except... Did you have a lot of suitors or something? What's Catherine the Great's big victory? She's famous for coming into the Russian monarchy, mm. overthrowing the king, and then taking over Poland and a lot of other places. Oh, she was a very Jesus. good <laughs> empress. She oh. did a lot for Russia, but then she also did a lot of poor things if you were Russia's neighbor. Okay, mm. so imagine invading Poland, but with just thousands of people that look like bunnies and they're jumping in place bunny boys yeah, yeah. that's basically Great. what it would look like i think um let's see i guess mine would be uh mary tyler moore mixed with <laughs> the matrix awakens tech demo <laughs> which we all know exactly how that would go um i think neo's gonna make it after all he's finally gonna pull it together be uh halo succession Ooh. So I'm not I'm not fully caught up, but I, I know you're probably not going to talk about spoilers. On no way, publicly available podcast. But I'm I'm working through season two. Ooh, and I, that'd be a fun uh, it'd be fun to see Brian Cox pull on the old uh, Master Chief armor and boss everybody. I suppose he'd be more of like a general on a ship. But, yeah, I took uh, it as more as like yeah that it'd be about who is going to succeed Master Chief once he finally fades away. He is kind of like. Uh, you know, the Simon Cox character in that show where it's this old legend, but at some point he has to go away, right? And the and the world and Microsoft and 343 has no idea what they're going to do in a post-Brian Cox world. And you'd have like tiny Kendall and little tiny ar armor. <laughs> yeah, I think that's the way that works. Yeah, Roman basically is a grunt. I, I think it all makes sense. Yeah. And mine would be Halo Infinite and Shark Tank, which is pretty easy because they have guessed... Uh, sharks all the time. You have Master Chief in there. 
Right, and he's selling Cortana. No, he's he's investing. Oh, I see. Oh. Smart. Yeah. He says I I fail to see the tactical value of this <laughs> vegan snack. He's a riot. Uh, yeah. Grizzled Gaming writes in and says, "Hey, I missed the last call for questions in 2020, but now since this is the last call for questions in 2021, which is weird to think about, but it's true because the next three episodes of this podcast are all the game of the year debates." Uh, so now seems like the perfect time for the second not-quite-annual Min-Max Ho-Ho-Ho-Down. I'd like everyone's heartiest Ho-Ho-Ho to help people get in the spirit. Tis the season, right? Does anybody want to kick this off with a Ho-Ho-Ho-Down? Just a good, sincere Ho-Ho-Ho just to really drive it home for folks? Leo, yes, the floor is yours, sir. Ho-Ho-Ho! Now, this is Santa dying while falling down a cliff, or... It really feels like Santa got stabbed, and with his final breath, he ho-ho-hos. <laughs> yeah, thank you. A little reverb on that, too. That was kind of that was kind of nice. Yeah, sounds good. All right, Brian, top it, dude. Ho-ho-ho! That's... That was good! That's very good. Okay, let's see. Kind of straightforward Santa Claus, you know? Kind of straightforward, yeah. I really get the I, situation, personally. Right down the middle. I gotta do a lot of classic Santa for my daughter because uh she finally like knows about santa and christmas now she's like getting the concepts so ooh, okay whenever we have one santa hat and like whoever's wearing it is santa and she's like oh hi santa oh <laughs> so you've had to do it's that a lot so cute yes oh, God. okay i'm gonna blow it i think i can't top that brian but oh 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 is that angry too angry He's trying to yeah, get the message out mean spiritedly. Yeah. This was a <laughs> Yeah, like someone fell down and he's laughing at it like Nelson. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Sarah. Top it. Here we go. Ho, ho, ho. That sounded like a Japanese JRPG character. I'm sorry that I can't. <laughs> <laughs> that's my that's my Japanese villain. Wow. Santa Claus, Santa. the ultimate Jeff. <laughs> oh, perfect. Santa-chan, no! <laughs> <laughs> there it is, everybody. Merry Christmas. Uh, all right, who gets this great Christmas vinyl for my mate bit? Who's going to take it? Uh, question of the week, what do y'all like? I like hungry or cold, but if <laughs> wish it was a, more of a discussion, you know, there was too clear of a right answer. On right, yeah, it was all right out there. Uh, Brian, anything stand up for you? Oh, boy. Uh, Come on, Brian. We need you. Okay, what about this? How about uh, buying gifts? Favorite holiday levels? What distracts you? There we go. Uh, discussion of your j- job during the holidays? Crossover episode? Show cr- crossover was was creative. And that's the type of confidence you can come to expect from him next. Sarah, what do you got? Give us the real truth here. About what? Just who deserves this Muppets vinyl Christmas album? I want to... It's a tough one, because with the TV show one, I did have to air what now I watch, which is I can only call historical smut, but... (laughs) um, I liked the winter level one, because we don't discuss... You know, the holidays don't get a lot of levels. Right. It's okay. hard. It's hard to do a holiday level. 
That was a good one. That is and true. It's on theme with the Muppets Christmas. You're right. Oh. All right. I don't know. There don't we know. go. Is there something there? Let's do it. Let's give it to Paradise Inc., uh, otherwise known as Daryl and Betsy. Happy holidays. You will win this Muppets vinyl. I am 8-Bit. We'll ship it out. Thank you so much, everybody, who submits a question over on Patreon. We appreciate it. Uh, Mike Spam points out, yeah, the opening comment was good. Uh, the opening question about... Was the Game Awards bad? So we're not forgetting those. Technically still in the running for all these. I think it was Mike Spam's comment is why he says, I think the opening commenter was smart and cool. <laughs> oh, that explains why I thought they were so cool. Anyways, uh, by the way, yeah. can we just say that that soundtrack is probably one of the best of all time? Like the Muppet Christmas Carol? If I may Fantastic be honest. Fantastic soundtrack. Have you watched that movie? I don't think I've ever seen that movie. I'm what? more of a VeggieTale Christmas person. Mm. More of a mm. Right, right, right. Religious. Did you hear that they released a new <laughs> Muppets or a new VeggieTale Christmas thing this year, Sarah? I feel like I did. Yeah. But it better just be them doing the original VeggieTale Christmas again. It is. Where I can say pierogi. Yep. What's a pierogi? It's mainly that. It's mainly them talking about pierogi. It's on HBO and it's under the oh title The Matrix, which is confusing. But you have to go Stop! there and click on it and then you get there. <laughs> uh, hey, now it's time for something that we like to call Get a Load of This. A tidbit or something that's interesting. Leo Vader, take it away. Load of this and send me hate mail about it. <laughs> How they made Riders Republic. Boo. It's a YouTube video. That's pretty marketing-y, you know, but yeah. behind the scenes about Riders Republic. And there's some very fun, cool clips in here of them motion capturing people getting slingshotted on bikes going off ramps and doing tricks yeah that's good you know motion capture and sound capture for that and kind of like the location of where the studio is and them just like testing out vehicles on the streets surrounding it it's a very fun video that's awesome uh right republic everybody uh, there's links below for all these uh hey uh get a load of this uh i meant to say this last week and i m- i missed it and i was kicking myself because it was an audio themed episode but get a load of this uh there is a podcast called game makers notebook which i'm a big fan of and austin winery the composer of journey he does a, a whole series where he interviews uh, other composers and sound designers and he had an interview recently with martin stig anderson who uh what did the sound design and music for Playdeads games so inside and limbo and he talks about without spoilers this is going to be weird but without spoilers he talks about creating a certain very specific thing in inside and how it was made by a theater performance group that he described as 95 percent naked people flopping around on top of each other uh one person would climb out of the stack of naked people and then jump back in and they'd all have gags in their mouth and apparently some scandinavian theater group made all those sounds so yeah Merry Christmas! Brian, did you have one? Yeah, I, to be honest, get a load of this. Uh, yeah. I had forgotten about that part of this podcast, but then <laughs> uh, Colleen brought up something last night that was super interesting. Um, it's a little, it, it's a few weeks past, but I don't know if have you guys listened to the podcast uh, Radio Rental ever? No. It is a, a a strange. It's kind of a podcast all about the the paranormal and the strange things that go on. Uh, it's highly produced, and Rain Wilson is kind of the a creepy um, crypt keeper type of host, but he's like a a weirdo in an old VHS video store, like is his character, and he introduces these stories. 
people write in with these these true tales of strange of the strange um and this one is uh this gal is a big ultra marathoner like zachary pliggy uh yeah. big supporter of min max uh and she talked about um told the story of running this kind of hundred miler in hawaii and uh she's one of those people who's like always finishes the race no matter what uh, and she had a friend kind of help her pace out on this, on this last, one of the last laps. Uh, and something stops her from like, she gets a pain in her foot. And um, for the first time ever, she's like, I have to stop. She gets this weird feeling. And uh, her friend has been taking a lot of pictures of the race so far. Cause she's like, I'm just here to have fun and not running the actual hundred miles, but just picking up little spots. So she's loosey goosey taking pics. And then uh, after she quits and feels real bad and tells her friends and family and she's all ashamed, everyone's like, you know, it's okay. And they look through the photos and there's something extremely weird in the photos. And I won't spoil. What? But they, in the podcast, you have, to spoil the podcast it. you have to spoil it. They, they say, like, stop listening right now and go to our Instagram page and look at this. And it's like. It's the creepiest thing ever. It's episode oh my 19. God. Episode 19. Um, check it out. There's a link below Give for it a folks. Listen. Okay. Yes. Give it a listen. And it's super creepy. And I just, it gives you the shivers just to, just to experience it. So it's probably <laughs> one of the, the kookiest, creepiest things I've heard on a podcast. All right. Well, hey, there's a link below for everybody. Uh, if you aren't going to follow the link, but you do want to know the end of the story, it's a ghoul. No, <laughs> come on, Leo. <laughs> Uh, Sarah, you got some? Get a load of this, you guys. I just got through the Final Fantasy fourteen queue. Yeah, Only two hours. Yes, yes, Only yes, two yes. Hours. That's fantastic. That's what podcasting's here for, Sarah. Yeah, <laughs> I know. Dumb. Thanks for keeping me company while I waited in queue, guys. Mm -hmm. Anytime, <laughs> anytime. Let's just record a podcast next time too. Uh, okay, that's it. Uh, hey, get a load of this from the community, <laughs> Nick from Atlanta. Uh, submits a link uh, to a new story on IGN from Rebecca Valentine, uh, which is nice to see her uh, cranking out a huge story like this for IGN called The Battle for Bungie's Soul, Inside the Studio's Struggle for a Better Work Culture. Um, she interviewed 26 people just about what it's been like in that studio over the last handful of years trying to create a better place um, and the struggles with that. Uh, and so it's kind of a subtle theme for this overall episode, but you can check it out. The link is below. Congratulations to Rebecca for some, some good reporting there to shed some light on one of the biggest studios. Um, hey, that's it. Thanks so much, everybody, for watching and listening. Thank you for being here, folks. Um, we have some stuff coming up soon. Boy, we have a lot of stuff coming up soon, including Game of the Year debates. So next episode is going to be the MinMax Awards, which are all categories. We're going to be running down those. Uh, of course, nominating the maximum and the minimum winner for each. So two winners each. That'll be the next episode. Then the following two episodes of the podcast after that are going to be the Game of the Year debates, where we're making the two tens, the big list, a two-parter, just like Justice League or whatever. Harry Potter. So... We're going to be recording those next week. So if you support us on Patreon at the $10 tier, the Backstage Pass tier, you can watch us do all of those debates live, jump in the chat, 
help influence our opinion, all that fun stuff. We're going to be recording all of those in the back half of next week. So if you've always wanted to watch us record a podcast live, uh, you can jump into the $10 tier. It's a good time to do it. And then you just have to seal your mouth and don't spoil what our game of the year is. So we don't spoil it for people listening to the podcast because those podcasts will be rolling out on the regular interval on Thursday throughout the entire break. So there, we will not be taking a week off uh, if you're just a podcast listener. So I hope you all enjoy that. Um, also, we have Trivia Tower coming up this Sunday uh, on the 12th at 7 p.m. Central. This Sunday, we're going to be joined by Voidburger from Giant Bomb. And the very cool thing with this episode is we have a ton of game codes to give away. Stuff like Tales of Arise, Resident Evil Village, Inscription, It Takes Two, uh, Among Trees. We have a ton of stuff to give away. And you can win a code if you make it to the second floor of Trivia Tower which means you just have to get one question right. You just have to know one video game trivia question, which everybody can do. And literally everybody can do it because for the first time ever, this episode of Trivia Tower is completely free. I want to say free to play, but that sounds gross and it's kind of a tarnished phrase at this point. But the point is, this will be live on YouTube and we'll have a special invite link in that live YouTube video, which you can get access to the MinMax Discord where the Trivia Tower competition happens. So check out MinMax on YouTube. You'll find that link for the Discord. Jump in there. That's where the competition happens. You can even play in your browser. Don't be intimidated by Discord. It's really just one click away and then you can win a bunch of great game codes and prove that you know oh so much about video games. So look forward to that on this Sunday. Uh, let's see, MinMax Council, uh, our Patreon-exclusive podcast, still coming out every single week. Thank you to $5 supporters who unlock that. Uh, we will have the call-in episode on Monday, December 13th. So get ready for that. So you can call in and ask any question under the sun. It's going to be noon on December 13th for that call-in episode. Also... There's so many things to run down for the plug section, so please forgive me. Uh, also, thank you to Patrick Polk, who supported us on Patreon at the Play Games With Us tier, which we haven't had anybody jump up to in a while, but Patrick Polk really wanted to play Puzzle Fighter 2 uh, with me, and so I'm very much looking forward to playing Puzzle Fighter with Patrick Polk over the Christmas break. You can choose a cohort, choose a game, doesn't have to be streamed or nothing, and we'll just have an hour of playing this game, so it should be a good time. Also, Brian Vore, this is for you, dude. Uh, Instagram. You can check out MinMax on Instagram for a behind-the-scenes look every single day. And if you go to Instagram, and what do they have to do, Brian? They have to comment about their favorite part about the episode and That's follow it. and like. That's it. Yeah, we have a post up whenever the podcast goes live that says, hey, it's live right now, and it's all of our shining faces. And then if you leave a comment on that about your favorite part of the episode, you can win a copy of Among Trees on Steam, the survival crafting game. Uh, we're going to be choosing one randomly. So jump in there and give us a follow on Instagram. It's MinMax Show, everybody. We appreciate it. All right, that's it. Uh, Sarah, you got anything to plug? Yeah, you can follow me at SarahPods on Twitter, and you can watch my streams at SarahPods on Twitch. That Great. sounds wonderful. Um, seriously, scale of 1 to 10, how much are you looking forward to the Game of the Year debate, Sarah? I'm a little nervous. I am too. I'm a little nervous. It's my first time, like, being in the ring. Yeah. And I really don't know how it's going to hash out. I don't know if, like, threats are going to have to be made. I think so. I don't know if it's going to stay civil. I, I worry that we're going to be different people after the debate happens. Like, we're going to go in, and then mm -hmm. we're going to come out completely changed i think it's a really fine line to walk because you want to take it seriously you can't just be like whatever just put it on the top whatever like everybody kind of wants to get to that point internally but it's like no no no. we have to take it seriously this is let's play it straight it's a good opportunity to talk about the games of the year but you can't take it too seriously where you get pissy 
and angry because ultimately it's just a list. And trying to thread that needle is kind of tough. Mm-hmm. Like I feel like last year I think we did a pretty good job of it, right, Leah? I'm trying to remember. Uh, yeah, I think so. I, I remember being proud of our civility. We definitely had our moments up to bat against each other, but it was that balance of not taking it too seriously while not treating it as a joke. Right, right. So look forward to that next week, everybody. Uh, Leo, you got something to plug? Um, uh, Leo Vader on YouTube and Twitter and Patreon. I have a Patreon video going up on Monday. That's my favorite one yet. Ooh, what's it like? It's, I went and visited Kobe Soft Joe in lacrosse, and it's kind of a slice of life experience of that trip. It's just awesome. like jumping between everything we did. I think it's a really cool vibe for video certainly i like it hey there we go maybe that's just because i'm in it and my best friend's in it come on uh brian vore you got something to plug man hey you can follow me on twitter brian vore and uh i would think we're at least gonna have a couple max spoilers this month with the rollout of spider-man and mcgruber and hawkeye and matrix (laughs) resurrections and book of boba fett so that is true there's at least gonna be something something in there for max spoilers uh if you wanna i don't know We've been doing the last couple live on, on YouTube kind of like yeah. this, so if you want to jump in and chat with us about it, uh, I'm sure some of that stuff we'll cover. Yeah. Jeez, I didn't even factor all that stuff up. That is a lot of good content in December here. All right. And as always, thank you to everybody who supports us at the $50 tier, the Thank You crew, their names, and don't forget them, our Patrick Polk, another Eden's Chrono Cross crossover, Andrew Ukerwitz, off a switch on Xbox. Leo, um, do you remember the first name? Because I told you not to forget it. Leo, please don't joke. Uh, Patreon supporters. That's right. Named Patrick Polk. Uh, Shakes, True King Music, Chris, Fixture Gaming's Fixture S1, I am 8-Bit, DivergeCoffee.com, Zachary Pliggy, Ludwig, Roque, Andrew Valla, Beaten Down Brian, PrettyGoodPrinting.com, Jawar Hello, Mr. Nomer, John Higby, Drew Arana, Steve Bambed, Clemens Zobel, Purebred Number 6, Starkiller, Spider Dance, Spiral in Your Eyes, Pretham Yarlagata, General DD99, and Ron with two N's. Thank you so much, everybody. Thank you for being here. We'll see you next week for the big MinMax Awards. Thanks for the help spreading the word about MinMax. Be good, have fun, let's go!